0: blog talk radio
1: it's time for standing on my soapbox the daily rant and radio show we talk about all of the good bad and the ugly of current events. join your host scott fullerton and co-host craig hurley you our listeners are invited to call in and stand on our soapbox with us call 347-989-0126 between 4 and 5 p.m eastern standard time monday through friday that's 347-989-0126. Now, here are your host and creator, Scott Fullerton, and co-host, Craig Hurley.
2: Well, thank you, Katie. Welcome, to everyone, to Standing on My Soapbox. It is Wednesday, April 3rd, 2019. I'm your host, Scott Fullerton, and joining me in just a moment is my partner in crime, actor and writer, Mr. Craig Hurley. We're here every Monday through Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Where we're talking about the day's news and politics pop culture, we'd love to have you call in and join us on the soapbox 347-989-0126 347-989-0126 Let's get to it. Welcome to my soapbox Mr. Craig Hurley. How's it going in Chicagoland?
3: It is an absolutely beautiful beautiful day today in Chicago. I love days like this It's like 50, 55 maybe, maybe 60 we're having a really beautiful day.
2: I love those days as well. Yeah, it's very nice here in Northeast Ohio, too. And we're just going to get yours tomorrow, so that's even better. I like it.
4: Very
3: uh, no, cool. we're going to get hit tonight with a with probably some rain and then the entire south. Uh, it should start lighting up um, south and, and south-southeast. Should start lighting up uh, just shortly after sundown. See, what happens is when the sun rises, it kind of stabilizes the atmosphere. And then as it sets, it becomes more unstable. So, because the radiation is what actually brings us life from the sun. Uh, These are, you know, it's just science. That's all it is. It's just freaking science Uh, based on, you know, facts. At one point, science is a hypothesis. But um, then they prove it, uh, and that's why it becomes fact. Uh, but, yeah, the entire southeast and and south, uh, just after sundown, is just going to get lit up. So, uh, watch out for severe storms and then tomorrow as well.
2: Great. Well, it says rain here, but it says it's going to warm up every day. So, as long as it keeps getting warm, it can rain. I lived in Oregon for four years, so I'm used to being rained on. No big deal.
3: Yeah, it, it's not just rain that you have to be concerned about. Our storms are more becoming more severe. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Well, I can still handle it if it's warm. <laughs> as long as I don't get stuck by lightning and it's warm out, I'm a happy camper. I'll deal. I'll make do with it. But it would be nice if we could change these weather patterns back to where they used to be. I would be even happier. So. Yeah,
3: that's not going to happen anytime soon. As long as we keep throwing uh, pollution into the atmosphere. Uh, forget that. What about the pollution on the ground, dude? Uh, dude, I was in the parking lot of Petco and I'm like, what, what is going on here? This place is disgusting. I thought there was a, a, and I don't, it's not just Petco that's in that. It's a Target and it's a, there's a whole bunch of stores in this mini mall and, and right. there's a Krispy Kreme donut. And, and I'm like, it's so freaking disgusting. There's garbage everywhere. Can you people pick up after yourselves? Can you do that? Or, or did your mama not teach you right?
2: It's sad how much trash is he just lying around anymore. Um, I just I, The thing that drives me up a tree is when you're driving down the road and someone flicks their cigarette butt out their window Oh, I want to ram them so hard.
3: <laughs> well, there's a, new, there's, a, there's a new law. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I smoke. So, yes, I, I, I do my part as far as, you know, contributing to uh, that pollution. Um, and I have always tried to find something else that we could do with concrete. I mean, with, uh, well, <laughs> with uh, cigarette butts. And, uh, and it happened that I was working in concrete and I, uh, and I actually flicked the cigarette butt. And that's why I just said concrete, um, uh, that I flicked a cigarette butt into one of the concrete loads that was being placed into a beam underground. And, okay. and the contractor was like, uh, what do you, what do you think that's going to do for the concrete? And I was like, well, probably nothing, you know, it's not going to cause a void. It's not gonna, it's not probably nothing. If anything, it might make the bond of the concrete to the, uh, of the cement mix to the aggregate stronger. And, and, uh, you know, because it's a, it's a fiber. So it, it might just do that. It is supposedly cigarette butt fibers are, are uh, majority are made out of uh, plant material. So um, but I'm sure there's some plastics involved at this point. Um, but, the, uh, uh, but even that, we, we throw fibers into concrete to make them harder uh, and, and make them more, not harder, to make them uh, bond uh, 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 easier or, or make it more, uh, give it more stability, give it more strength is why we put fibers into concrete. And, and I was like, well, you know, I really thought about it and I was like, excuse me. And I was like, well, um, maybe what, I mean, he brought on, you know, that contractor brought on this idea for me and I went and collected a bunch of cigarette butts and then I shredded them in a, uh, uh, one of those magic bullets, um, the, the, the the things that you make (laughs) smoothies in and, and I shredded them in that. And it turned into like five cigarette butts were this big ball of fibers. It, it blew them all up into this big ball of fiber. And, and that actually, you know, it were, were really, some of the fibers had actually become plasticized because I had already smoked through them. So I had already heated them up and cooked them. So they, they already began to have some type of, of, uh, plastic happening to them just naturally and and then i took them and i threw them into a test sample and and comparatively after i tested them after a week now let's remember i am a department of transportation certified concrete inspector okay so i do know my shit when it comes to concrete and i and i took those and I did a test sample. And then I also had a placebo test at the same time with the concrete that I was using without the, um, without the additive, without the cigarette butt additive. And then I can't believe I'm, I'm talking about this, but whatever. Um, (laughs) uh, and then, and then what happened was, the concrete actually broke because we do tests on them. We, we, we put them under an immense amount of pressure. The samples that we make, mm-hmm. uh, we put them on, under an immense amount of pressure in a machine that crushes them, that breaks them. And you don't ever really want to get to the point where you're actually blowing up the cylinder or the test sample because you can hurt the machine. So, you don't really want to do that. You just want to get to the point where you know it's going to crack because there is a peak. There is a right. peak number in testing where it will crack. And and all of the placebos all tested at a certain PSI. They all tested at like five. Let's just say 5000 PSI. My t- test samples with the cigarette butts um, uh, tested at the same 5000 PSI. But the difference was I let them go. I, I blew them up. I literally shattered those test samples with the machine, even though it's bad for the machine. Uh, my dad owned the machine, so I really didn't care. Um, and, you know, if I was working <laughs> at, a, at somebody else's lab, I, I probably would have, you know, actually given a shit. But I didn't. I, I'd been working with that machine since I was a little kid, just messing around with it with other guys that were sampling stuff. Anyway, I'm running testing stuff. So anyway, sorry. Um, so I I blew up the test samples and I blew up the placebo placebos. And what happened was that they the placebos went all over the place. Like that when the concrete cracked, it blew up. Like I mean, there was pieces of concrete flying all over the lab. then right. when, I, when I blew up my test samples, the concrete didn't go anywhere. It stayed in the same place and actually stuck to the side of the sample because of the cigarette butts. So I, I was it made it more. It bonded the, the material bonded a hell of a lot better with the cigarette butts than it did without. And there was actually Elmhurst Chicago Stone is a is a big uh, concrete company here in uh, uh, the west side of Chicago. And we worked with them a lot. And uh, um, I brought my my test samples, I brought my tests and my reports of those tests to the owner, and he actually wanted to do a slab test. And what that is, is you lay down a bunch of concrete and you leave it there for like, uh, you know, concrete with the cigarette butts. Um, but, uh, and you leave it there for like, and you put it in a driveway of the plant so that it, it gets used, it gets used every single day. And by concrete trucks, you know, you got dump trucks and concrete trucks and all all sorts of freaking you know, rigs driving over that. So it's bound to get some damage and, you know, that's what you're testing. You want it to be damaged. You want it to crack. You want it to do all these things so that you can see how it would respond. The only problem was that I had to collect. It was in the number the way my numbers had it figured uh, per load of concrete, which is about eight yards, anywhere from eight to 10, sometimes 12, um, depending on the the truck. Uh, But uh, normally eight yards is what I was going off of. Uh, it's, it would have taken me somewhere around 20,000 cigarette butts. And I'm like, okay, wait, wait, I can't even smoke that in my lifetime. So, you know, what am I, how am I going to, how, how am I going to come up with 20,000 cigarette butts? So that's a part real of the problem, stressful but weekend it, for a lot of people, but it, <laughs> an extremely <laughs> stressful weekend. Uh, Yeah, no, Um, I, I, I if we could collect, all of those cigarette butts that are just being thrown out, that are just being dumped into the ocean, that are just being, you know, and by the way, they get caught in, in fish and, and other sea life's uh, uh, lungs and blowholes and shit like that. So I'm not too pleased with myself on that, on how I've possibly affected any other, you know, uh, life form besides human. I, humans, uh, you guys, seriously, you complain to me about smoking a cigarette? And how my smoking is going to cause some problem. Dude, uh, you know, stop burning oil in your cars. You could run hemp oil. You guys know this, right? It has 114 octane. You could run hemp oil in your cars. Henry Ford's quadricycle ran on hemp oil. We don't need oil. We do not need oil to run our automobiles. So he wanted everybody to be able to own a car, Henry Ford. He made them so cheap. He wanted everybody to be able to own a car and he wanted everybody to be able to grow their own fuel. Hemp. So anyway, because hemp grew in everybody's farms at that time, doesn't now. Um, uh, I, I'm sorry. How did I get off of that? Uh, what was I talking about? Freaking concrete and, and you, cigarette. You button. were talking about your concrete
2: so, test and the, the slabs it, that you it, laid down with the trucks.
3: Yeah, well, no, we didn't We didn't ever get there because I, there was no way for me to collect freaking 20,000 cigarette, cigarette butts, except for if everybody else joined in, you know, if everybody else was like, here, Craig, we'll send you, you know, our cigarette butts, then great, you know, then I would have had a slab test, but there was no way for me to do a slab test. And he actually wanted me to sell the idea to uh, 3M because 3M are the people that are that develop all of the um, fibers for concrete and it's because they have extra tape and they have extra shit that they, you know, aren't, don't know what to do with. So you need to recycle it in some way. And I'm talking like cassette tapes, actual cassette tapes that nobody listens to anymore. So nobody uses for anything and, and they have to recycle them in some way. So they chop them up into little tiny parts and little tiny pieces, and then they use them as filler and concrete. Or or bonding additives, fibers. So um, wow. so yeah, cigarette butts actually can be recycled um, and put into concrete. I had an argument with my dad when I was doing the experiments because he was like, "There is no way in hell I'm putting a cellulose material, a plant material, into concrete. There is no way I'm putting wood into concrete." And I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> well, you know, if, if if it was good enough. For uh, 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 God, I can't think of his name right now. Uh, the dude that built the Great Wall of China, then it's got to be good enough for us. It's got to be good enough for me. So because that the Great Wall of China, which is one of uh, the engineering wonders of the world, correct, uh, has tamped down sand, then has a cement mix. He actually mixed it with water. He was actually thinking about concrete in this, and then put in some cement mix, which is a a limestone crushed uh, material or something like that, something as porous as limestone. And then, and then put in actual willow trees, actual trees, and had all of his slaves tamp them all down, which is, means you, you push them all down, you put pressure on them, and then you pour another layer on top of that of sand, of cement, and then of, of willow trees. So I was like, if it's good enough for, who was that? Was it Genghis Khan? No. Who was it? I can't even think. Was it Ming? I can't, I can't, I, right now, I can't I think of the remember. guy that built don't, the, don't the, the Great that. Wall of China. Somebody call in, 347-989-0126. Who the hell built the Great Wall of China? Anyway, um, yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, cigarette butts do are recyclable uh, if we use them for the right stuff. But we're not. We're not doing it. So I, I can't. How how the hell did I get started on talking about this?
2: I don't know, but King Shi Hang is the name. I don't know how to pronounce it,
3: but King Shi
2: Hang built the Great Wall. The
3: leader of that built that built it. Yeah,
2: correct. So he was to protect his Qin Dynasty. There you back go. In 221 to 206 BC, which is when the dynasty started.
3: So that's before Christ was supposedly here. Right. So that's 2000 years ago, man. Uh, you know, if it, if it's good enough for him, it, it's definitely good enough for me. <laughs> Who the hell am I? <laughs> I'm just some dude who's standing <laughs> smoking on a on a on a conc- I mean, on a construction site and dumping a cigarette button in, into the mix. So that's all I am.
2: There you go. Well, did you feel different waking up in a women run mayorship in Chicago this morning?
3: Um, yeah, and yes, and no. I, eh, I, I, there's a lot of positives to it. Uh, it's a woman, so that's good. Um, and she's a woman. Sorry. Uh, and uh, but I, I, I mm, uh, she's LGBTQIA, and she is. Uh, there's something else that that's a positive on her, and I don't know what it well, is.
2: She's black. Um, that's helped. She hasn't had a black one in a while, so that's good. She's, uh, you have a black lesbian woman running the third largest city in the U.S., so that's interesting. I think uh, probably the third time a woman has run that She did,
3: city. Yeah, she did sweep all 50 wards in, in they're like districts, districts here, so all the wards, um, she swept them. And over uh, Periwinkle or whatever her name is, I, I I'm really freaked out at all the cartoon names, and I'm really tired of them, dude. Where where did you all come from? Even <laughs> I, you know, I just you know respect she she got the mayor, but her last name's Lightfoot. I'm like, what is going on? What is with the cartoon names? I don't understand. Where did these people come from? I don't. I, I really. I just don't get it. <laughs> That's uh, I mean,
2: it's fifty wards. I mean, every single ward. And she was relatively unknown, wasn't she? Wasn't she kind of new? She's new to the scene of politics, I think.
3: Yeah. The other girl was like. No, it's it, it it's good. It's a good thing. I I I'm still I I'm a fan of uh, of Rahm Emanuel just because I'm in the entertainment business and one good thing he did for Chicago uh, is uh, offer incentives for uh, uh, production companies to come in and film. So now you've got, you know, four Dick Wolf TV series filming here. And and he keeps coming up with other ones too. And they're all Chicago based. So, uh, and you've got, uh, I can't think of uh, what's her face from the shy. And, and, um, and John Wells has always loved Chicago, regardless of incentives or not. But so he's filming here also. Because um, he filmed the ER here as, as well, and there weren't that many incentives, if any, at that time. Um, right. So, yeah, and I think Lee, Kelsey Grammer Lee too Daniels is going to film something.
2: Does Empire there? I know Lee Daniels brings Empire there quite a bit. Does he have any other? Uh,
3: yeah, no, that's there? yeah. They film, they film. Well, that's that's the whole thing of uh, you know what's going on with Jussie right now and 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 all of that. Uh, yeah. I, I, uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure he didn't lie. I'm pretty sure that the charges never should have been filed, and that's why they were dropped. Um, I'm pretty sure he was jumped by these guys. Uh, This is all the information that I'm getting. Um, And it wasn't planned, even though it was people that he knew and people that he worked with and people that he was talking to not more than five hours before it happened. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that's coming out now about what the situation actually was. So, Well, the rumor control
2: that I had, I told you I had a little rumor control. Rumor control I heard was that his manager was about ready to get dumped or was not happy with him or something, and they think that his manager might have had something. That's why he knew all these other players from the Empire thing. So that's been one theory kicked around as well. Who knows? But I heard from a fairly reliable source that the manager was was uh, was talking about this in, in, a, in a very strange way from what I heard. So who knows? We'll see if he still has that manager for long. That'll be a big key for that.
3: Yeah. And, what's gonna happen and also, nobody's nobody's really talking about his mental health as well um and if you've got you know a lot of us actors are freaking nuts dude we're we're nuts <laughs> and I, we have to be in order to want to get on stage or want to get on, in front of a camera and and be like i'm playing someone else i i just it, we gotta be freaking nuts that's almost schizophrenic it's it's just nutty so who knows you know what his actual what his mental health uh, what what what? We have no idea if there's something going on with him too. So y- 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 well, you can't way, really
2: take a hit. I mean, if if it if he did if 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 it was a staged act, obviously he's having some kind of problems. And if yeah, it, no, wasn't supposedly a it wasn't, if you're accused of all of this. It's going right. to play havoc with you. And you're going to get some mental yep. problems because of all this happening to you. So either yep. way, mental health is a huge piece of the puzzle. I think you're 100% right. Either side of it, no matter which side you fall on.
3: Yeah, he's getting smacked. He's getting smacked. Sorry about the pun. No, you know, that, that, he, that either way, he's getting hit. He's like, you know, either, either it happened to me and then you don't believe me. So right there, I'm getting a mental hit. And then you charge me and then you take the charges off. And so right there, I'm getting a mental hit because I think I might be going to jail for something that I didn't do. So, you know, right. it, it's dude, he's getting slapped upside the head by the judicial system as well as literally getting slapped upside the head. So, you know, right. I, 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 you know, I, I said this before, too, that, you know, if it's just a publicity stunt, well, then there's other shit that you can do. But it doesn't look like that at this point. It doesn't look like just a publicity stunt at this point. It looks right. like there was actual some actual shit that happened and that none of us know. All right. Uh, What's her face? Fox, his lawyer is or the prosecutor. I'm not sure what she is. Um, but she, um, uh, the, she, uh,
2: district attorney for the, the yeah.
3: district attorney <laughs> that had to recuse herself because she's too close to, uh, justice Smollett. Right. So, Correct. um, Correct. even though she stayed so she involved to the
2: FBI, right. She referred her to the yeah. FBI.
3: Yeah. Well then it's coming down from the FBI where, you know, it's beyond Chicago police. It's beyond right. state prosecution. It's coming down from the FBI. So the, all, all those decisions that are made.
2: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out, because I, I, it's not done by a long shot. I think we're still going to be hearing about this for a long time. And speaking uh, of FBI, of yes.
3: they are going, the Democrats are subpoenaing the Mueller report, the Mueller report. If they do not get a copy of it um, that, is, that has no what, redactions, <laughs> these people are so dumb. Don't black anything out, man. Just just admit that you're corrupt and quit. All right, Quit before you're impeached or, even worse, charged with treason. You don't want to be charged with treason, dude. We We end it for you. Your entire family. We end it. So don't do that to we the people. We can be fierce when it comes to that. We don't like when treason is committed against us. So quit beforehand. And make sure your kids quit right along with you. By the way... Go and poach, please. Please, Don Jr., go over to Africa right now and poach. Want to know why? They're killing poachers. So please, go shoot another elephant, douche.
2: Yeah, both of them, him and Eric both, with their little guns. You're getting a death penalty.
3: You will get a death penalty in Africa if you shoot an elephant again. That is what's happening. That is the law that is being introduced.
2: It's a law that takes 12 years to get passed here in the States. It'll be like another one of those Oh no, it uh... could get
3: passed immediately. They actually have mercenaries over there that are that are from the United States. One of the best sharpshooters in the world. This chick used to be in the US military and and I don't I forgot her name, but um amazing shot. She like holds the record for soft target at 2 miles. She nailed this dude in the forehead at 2 miles. 2 miles
5: away, wow. dude.
3: He didn't see it or hear it. So, uh, just amazing shot. She's one of the mercenaries that's over there shooting poachers for the government. I like it.
2: They they deserve what's coming to them. I like that a lot. Very Absolutely. cool.
3: Speaking of, anybody find the guy in Aurora that's hanging out with the Christians that uh, is a Satan worshiper that killed Lori? Oh, man, I can't remember her last name right this second. I'll get it. Uh, but killed Lori in the 80s um over here in aurora illinois he's hanging out at a christian uh hmm, really should i throw out the name of the organization i'm so dying to just give you the address but there's already a bunch of people that can see him and know where he's at um that douchebag yeah go outside man just go outside for a little while hey go try to get a job good luck just
2: like
3: that the gary martin guy, guy? which guy is that Get let out of jail. I, I don't want to mention their names. Uh, I don't want to glorify his his douchebagness. Um, so that's the guy that just got out of jail. He should have served 70 years. He got out of jail at 35 because of overpopulation in the jails. Part of the overpopulation problem is the nonviolent drug related crimes that they put people in jail for, mainly people of color. That needs to stop. They all need let out. Are you hearing me, Governor Pritzker, here in Illinois? Let them out. Um, and don't let out guys like this. He's supposed to serve 70 years. He served 35 for good behavior. What? Good behavior? I, oh, what? He's a Satan worshiper who killed a girl. He probably killed a bunch of people. He's a Satan worshiper. Confessed. To the killing. I, dude, you let him out? Are you serious? So now we all get to deal with him. Hey, man, social justice. That's exactly what will happen to him,
2: yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out as well. hey, I forgot to um uh, i did uh, we haven't talked about it yet, but I had dinner with my cousin in from Puerto Rico last night, and that was a fun conversation
3: and, and what did he say about he the talked, conditions?
2: well, uh she lives about two and a half hours outside sorry, of San Juan. She- that's okay. Their electricity still goes out often. Uh, they are only allowed to have water every other day. There's water that was left in pallets on docks for months because they had no infrastructure to get it to the people. Uh, it's still pretty bad there, pretty darn bad. Like I said, she's, she's without water every other day. They're, they're limited to water every day because they can't get the, the portability of it is the infrastructure has not been set back up again for water. So she only has water every day. Power is there, but she has a generator. It
3: sounds to me um, like uh, Puerto Rico could use a floodwater relocation program.
4: You know, you start building it now.
3: You're devastated, right? And you can't get water? start building it now so that you can. You get a desalinization plant on the the coast. It's a freaking island. You put a desalinization plant on the coast – and you pump uh, you pump all the water out of it that's been desalinized so you've got that water. And then when it comes time for another hurricane, because you will get hit by one, um, uh, you can, you're semi-prepared for what's about to happen to you because you're about to right. get massive flooding again. And also build your shit so that it can withstand a hurricane, especially a Category 5. Please, just build right. it so that it can withstand that. We we do have the technology. I feel like I'm in an episode of the $6 million man. We can rebuild it. We have the technology. I, I, what the hell? You know, yeah. well, said, come on. We could have done that in 1970. of the with this
2: hurricane that I didn't realize was that it normally it comes over one direction. This hurricane came across the island and then button around and came back the other way yeah. halfway to the island.
3: Yeah, and went back. Yep, that,
2: yep. I remember watching it. Yeah. So it was like a double whammy on it.
3: It did a it did it a zigzag. Prepared.
2: But yeah, it was it's it's a mess. I mean she's she, she's she's retired from now. She served in the Coast Guard. Um the Coast Guard people uh she has so many stories about the Coast Guard that happened there. That was a cluster muck from <laughs> You asked how they set up the, the Coast Guard down there at the time. Remember when they sent that big first aid ship there and only let it be there for like four days or something? Um, oh, she's got a lot to talk about the Coast Guard. She used to be in the Coast Guard there. But there it was some interesting stories I really uh, enjoyed talking about. But it it's still a mess, guys. And, of course, our 45, it said we sent them 91 million billion billion.
4: It's yeah, $91 billion. Billion.
3: Hey, you, We cannot exactly. believe not one word, not one word that comes out of his mouth. Even if he tells the truth, we cannot believe it. I, right now, there's this news going around about how he's saying his dad was born in Germany and how everyone else is now saying, like Fox News is now saying, that his dad was born in New York. No.
4: Dude, his dad was, like was his born was in so Germany.
3: <laughs> what?
2: It was like he was having that? a stroke on TV. He couldn't talk. It was like he was having a stroke. He was, he was saying his dad was born in, in Germany. He was born in New York. Then he couldn't say origin. He kept saying orange. He kept saying Well, orange, I mean, uh, you know,
3: he, he just looked into the mirror. That's all that happened there. And he's just like, orange. Oh, shit.
2: And he's, he's having trouble. I, I do want to know what tone,
3: yeah. what tone spray tan orange that is, so that I never use it. Two, What's the number on two, that? Number seventeen? What's the number on that? I I, I don't want <laughs> I I don't want to ever Poppy use it. Orange number forty five. Nice like orange number forty five spray tan, dude. That's awesome. Well, oh we man, we should put that out gift. Put out a bottle of Please. that shit.
2: Oh my Please god, dude, that's, that's hilarious. All right. If anyone is oh, listening, dude, we're copyrighting We're so talking right now. We're oh, Scott, you're, you're right a freaking
3: genius. Guy. Dude, that's so funny.
2: Oh, I'm getting to work on that. Orange spray tan number
3: 45.
2: 45. Oh, that my God, funny. dude. you're so freaking funny. <laughs> All right, guys. We are 32 minutes in. We're going to take a quick cigarette break, a quick coffee break. We're going to be back. Give us a call, 347-989-0126. Lots more to talk about. Here's David Hernandez and Kingdom. <laughs>
6: I just When you don't even try Every little part of me says no Every little part of me just won't let you go Giving in to giving you control You know the words that tear down these walls Cause you're taking all, oh, all of oh, me all the air, air, I believe. I've always held on to my reign, but I'll put my kingdom in your name. To the old thinking, oh, for me. On the front line. Cry
2: back that was david hernandez from american idol with kingdom guys come join us stand on my soapbox here 347-989-0126 9, 9, we're waiting for 3, your 4, phone 7,
3: call 989-0126 orange spray tan number 45 brought to you by there. l'oreal
2: <laughs> i love it what else we go into today that's <laughs> terrible <hysterical>, um... man <laughs> Uh, I do got to talk about for a quick second, um, being the LGBT part of the segment here, um, Kingdom of Brunei has started today, April 3rd, bringing back, they've been implementing over, I think it's like three to six months, three of the characteristics of Sharia law they were bringing back to it. And so as of today, April 3rd, they're bringing back stoning to death of LGBT people as of April 3rd in Brunei. So I can't believe that we're in the 21st century, but the Sultan of Brunei has gone to Sharia law as of April 3rd, 2019, and they are now stoning gay people to death if they are caught being gay for any reason. So I think just as silly about it is our response to it. We have a lot of celebrities, Elton John, Ellen, um, George Clooney, who are boycotting the hotels that are owned by Sultan of Brunei, which is just like a third-world problem to me that we're boycotting because listen to these hotels this guy owns. The Hotel Bel Air in L.A., the Beverly Hills Hotel in L.A., the Dorchester in London, 45 Park Lane in London, Coworth Park in Ascot, U.K., the La Maurice in Paris, France, the Athene in Paris, France; Hotel Eden in, in Rome; and the uh, Principes Savoia in Milan, Italy. So somehow, our response to stoning LGBT is to not go to some of the richest hotels in the world, which I don't quite understand. But
3: yeah, I just that can't doesn't believe that we're doesn't work. How about how about we shut them down? How about we shut them down and don't let them don't let them build there? I, I, you know, uh, the entertainment business has a lot of LGBTQ in it. Um, I, 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 why not just shut them down? They, you know, exactly. just, I'm serious. Shut them down. Uh, you know, anybody who is a uh, head of, oh, I don't know, uh, Beverly Hills uh, Building Commission and they're gay, shut them down. I don't care if he's a sultan of, I, I don't give a shit. It doesn't matter to me. This guy's a piece of shit. So shut him down. Don't let him don't let him own it. Shut him down. All you gotta do is start going in there and finding all sorts of violations. That's easy. Health code violations yeah. all over the place, dude. In every single hotel. So just go in and start and be like, oh, that's a violation. Oh, there's a violation. Oh, there's a violation a violation. And don't stop until you've got enough you can shut him down. And shut down. Right.
2: Well, I mean the the uh yeah, the entertainment community has been great to the LGBT community, obviously, and I appreciate the support. But boycotts—we've talked about that before. Those things just don't work. Um, I've had a Chick Fil A sandwich once or twice in the last three years. I have to admit. I, I never
3: have. Wow, dude, I never have. I from the second that I found out that it was uh, that it was an anti-LGBTQ or, or organization, I I immediately was like, wait, you're not hiring gay people? What? what the fuck? So, you know, I'm not eating your chicken. Your chicken sucks anyway. Your chicken is, is all grown in in, in in these farms that are, there's no free range there at Chick-fil-A. It's freaking, it's these no beaks and no eyes. They're all genetically altered. Hey, hey keep eating that chicken, America. You guys are retarded. So, it just dumb. Well, part of the dude. problem
2: is, too, is they soak that stuff in a salt brine for about 13 hours before they process it. That's why it's like so smooth like that. Mm. I I don't like it, but I've been there with friends. I, I don't complain. I'm not gonna say anything, but we have a caller online. I think we have uh, our friend back, David. Let's go ahead and bring a call. The, the owner of
3: Chick fil A. The owner of Chick fil A? No. No? David I
2: don't I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> David welcome David. Back
7: to how you doing buddy? Doing well guys. I'm good afternoon, David good How you doing how
3: are you, sir? Doing well,
7: how about yourself?
3: I'm I'm doing well. I'm actually doing well. Just moving a lot of stuff, but I'm doing okay. I haven't hurt myself in the process. So, and what's on your mind, sir?
7: Yeah, I was. uh, You know, I remember in our previous conversation how I believe you mentioned um, that you were an atheist, and the the whole I forgot. Mm, No. You you, you believed in God, but you weren't quite.
3: I just never, yeah, I've never been, it's never been proven to me that this entity actually exists and gives a shit about us.
7: Okay, so you don't I believe in a God? I never
3: said that. God.
7: Okay, so you don't believe in a God that keeps your he mankind whatsoever?
3: Yeah, I think, I, I think I'm more agnostic, uh, not okay. necessarily atheist. I, I'm willing to admit, just like Bill Maher is, that I don't know.
7: Okay, fair enough. So you, would you say then that morality is relative, that it's objective?
3: Morality is how people are going to react to whatever it is you're imposing on them, right?
7: Uh, that's not what I'm really asking. I mean, there's, there's morality that you could call morality being objective, or in other words, being absolute, meaning that by that it's a universal thing that applies to all people, regardless of culture or where they're from. Perfect, yeah, if you, right, right? yeah if, you, if you have morals. Yeah, if you have morals. I believe that it's kind of more of an opinion based on the culture of the individual, which is what you see more in our society today. So would you, believe, would you think you're a moral relativist or a moral absolutist?
3: You talking to me or you talking to Scott?
7: Uh, both, both, actually. I just want to get clarification. I would probably one. be more a relativist. I'm
2: not an absolutist
3: on, on it. Um, yeah, I'm not really an absolutist either. I'm not exactly sure what those te- what the definitions of those terms are.
7: Well, for example, if you if you believe in objective or absolute morality, then you would believe in a standard of right and wrong that's universal and applies to everyone regardless of who you are or where you come from. And if you believe in a mor- if you believe morality is relative, then you would believe, for example, that morality can change depending on the individual or the culture or society that you're in.
4: Well,
2: I, th- I think that's a personal choice, though. I don't think that that, that makes it right or wrong. I mean, morality is how, you, is how you interpret it. I think each person interprets morality in their own way. So what I can consider moral could be what someone else doesn't consider moral whatsoever. So that, that's what I come okay. as far as relatively from it.
7: So, right, yeah, exactly. that, so you're, you're, you're a moral relativist, and that, that's consistent with being a relative. So the reason there's a question about being an atheist is that if you don't believe in there's a God who preceded human beings.
3: You're fading you're out, out
7: you're there, there, Dave. Yeah, for that. Oh, no worries.
3: It's just no, dead, just dead, dead air. air. It's this thing on radio. It's called oh, dead okay. air, so we can't yeah, really sorry. have any of it. No, 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 you don't have it. to apologize Believe me, I'll fill in If, you, if you're not talking <laughs> I'll jump in at any point No, well, So what were you saying, dude? Sorry
7: no, I'm just saying, so if, if there is no God, for example Then that means all of morality and ethics Is the construct of the human mind Which means by definition it has to be relative Because it, it just comes down to a personal preference Just like Scott mentioned well, It's different to each individual, right? But if there is a God then there can be a source of objective morality because now you can have morality and ethics that preceded humankind. And it can be objective and universal and can apply to everyone. And so when we live in a culture today that's embraced secular progressivism primarily or secular humanism, if you will, and has accepted the idea of morality being relative, then by definition there's no objective standard of morality you can point to to say that the people of Brunei are wrong for wanting to execute homosexuals by stoning because that's just their culture and their personal preference, right? So if you're a moral relativist, you're left with having to say, I'm not right, I'm not wrong, you're not right, you're not wrong, to each his own. You have no way to actually be critical of another culture or another individual's moral or ethical standard, because there's no objective standard to at all whatsoever. If you're consistent with You can still be your critical
2: worldviews. of it. I understand what you're saying, but it's like, the, gap, the uh, death penalty in the United States is the same right or wrong question as stoning. It's, it's, it's not that – it's kind of what the, the criminality is of it. Um, if someone is doing something – I don't believe – I mean, there's two separate things. There's different about – I mean, I'm trying to figure out the best way to explain this. Who says God is the arbiter of morality? One. Um, and two, I mean, where, how did that come into a definition?
3: Hey Dave, That's hey Dave, where in the Bible, where in the Bible does it say that you cannot be gay?
7: Uh, well, if you there's portions in Leviticus in the Old Testament that mentions that, but in the New Testament, it's in Romans chapter one and in First Corinthians chapter six, verse nine through ten.
3: And what does it what is- say exactly?
7: Okay, so in Romans chapter 1, it describes both male you know, homosexuality and lesbianism as unnatural, unseemly, shameful, and that homosexuals will receive a penalty within their own body that's due to them. In 1 in Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9 and 10, it talks about the type of people that cannot go to heaven and will not inherit the kingdom of God, and it gives an actual a list of certain behaviors that will cause that. And on that list, the two things that apply to this conversation would be effeminate, which is men that act as females, and homosexuals. But then it goes on to say that if a homosexual repents and puts their faith in Jesus, they can be forgiven and then they can go to heaven. But if they are a practicing homosexual, they cannot go to heaven.
3: Okay, so you 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 I we're talking strictly Christianity, right? Right yeah, here, it's just, right?
0: Yeah, but it's you're talking Christianity,
3: Christianity, right? These are the same people, and you're talking about morals. These are the same people who are currently in Illinois harboring a Satan worshiper who killed I don't know how many people, but got let out of jail early. They are harboring him. This is a disgusting sinner, correct, as far as Christians are concerned. This guy stop, should not stop. be harbored in any way, shape, or form.
7: Well, well, who's harboring the person?
3: It's a Christian organization, and I'm I, I don't want to give out names. I, I you know, you all you got to do is look this stuff stuff up, and they're out there. I because I don't condone the immoral activities of killing someone over your God.
7: Well, you're not. There's no Christian that's allowed to do that.
3: They're harboring this, dude, right now.
7: Well, I first and foremost, I don't know what you mean by harboring. What do you mean like they're, he's a fugitive e. from is the staying, law?
3: He has, he has no place to go because every single okay. time they were going to let him out of jail, there was a crowd of people waiting to kill him, okay? They don't want him in their neighborhood. They don't want him right. anywhere around their children. They don't want him anywhere near themselves,
7: so what happened? Did he go to so, this Christian group so, of people and ask no, for help? No, a
3: Christian organization turned and said, oh, no, we'll take him in.
7: Oh, so let me get this straight. So you're saying that this Christian organization that offered an act of kindness to a man that was clearly a social outcast and decided to be kind. Social
3: outcast. And, Dude, he well, killed, on, he killed people in the name of his God, and his God is Satan.
7: Satan. Yeah, but, 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 but Isn't he the yeah, but, guy but, that,
3: that Christians right. are all freaking out about, Lucifer?
7: Yeah, but, but, but Christians are also forgive and then do good to your so enemy. Forgive?
3: There is no forgiveness for that, dude. No, no, no. You're, you're Absolutely not understanding what I'm none. saying uh, Let me hear you. Let me hear you.
7: Let me hear me out.
3: Christians you talk are or... family. I, You know what? I actually know people that knew her. My sister knew her.
7: I don't I don't
3: dude I I can't even there is no forgiveness for this fucking piece look, of shit
7: I, I look I Excuse understand my language. That you feel I, I understand you feel that way that's coming from your perspective I get that Morality. Morality I'm telling you, Morality, what I'm telling you is from the Christian perspective let me just give it to you clear why Christians do this It's a Christians little immortal,
3: in my opinion well, let me let me, let me, let me just say that, why and
7: then, and then you can object whatever way you want to I'm just let me give you the Christian reason for why they do this Christians are commanded by God to do to live by a principle known as doing good to others regardless of how, who they are or how they treat you. Christians are well, let
3: cage some children. To,
7: but let's hold on. But they say Christians are expected to do good to their enemies. The Bible says when you see your enemy who is in need to reach out and to help him and to do good unto him, and by doing so, you show him the love of God and you show him how God's heart for him. Because you may hate him, you may think he's an evil scumbag, but God still loves that person and he wants to forgive him and he wants to give him a second chance. The Bible says yeah, God does not want nah,
3: to punish the that's where I'm thinking. I know, yeah, I know, I know, you know think That guy exactly doesn't give a shit, dude.
7: That, that, oh, he gave us opinion. free will. He gave that's us free opinion. will. I'm talking man. about what the Bible says. The Bible says God does not want to punish the wicked. The Bible was written all by a bunch of old, old white guys. They weren't white; they were Middle Eastern. For as a fact. Okay, second
3: whatever. It was second point. Second A bunch of. dudes.
7: Let me make. let me make something clear. You're you're an agnostic, borderline atheist, whatever you want to call yourself. What you asked me was, why were these Christians doing this? I'm telling you why Christians do it, because their belief them is based on the Bible. Whether you I was accept raised it or not, Catholic. Hold on, hold on. I was hold on, raised let me, Catholic. Let me just she finish my point, me. and then you can say whatever you want. Christians believe they're based on the Bible. If I'm not telling you to accept it. I'm not saying to you that you have to accept the Bible as authoritative. I'm telling you, and from a Christian perspective, why they do that. Because in the Bible, God commands Christians to do good to even the worst of society, because God still loves that person, and despite the fact that you may hate him, and you have no love for him, God still loves him and wants to forgive him, and grant him repentance, and want him to come to heaven one day. Just because you don't care and love somebody, because they're no, evil. No, Satan it's evil no. That's not sin, dude. It doesn't matter, dude. All of, a, us, all of sin. us have sinned. Every human being on this planet has sinned. God has an art case against each and one, every one of us, but despite that, God still loves us. That's why he sent Jesus Christ to come and die on the cross for our sins. And God wants to forgive us. That's why the Bible says God doesn't want to punish any person. He wants every person to repent and come to forgiveness. God's trying there to There you it go. Out we're, also,
2: we're also, yeah, the talking the about one version of of what of the interpretation of the Bible. Um, my problem, David, is there's also other interpretations of the Bible as well that isn't always addressed. Um, no, it's a, it's, a, it's okay. A,
7: that's the New Testament. I don't know what you. I mean, I don't know if you've read the New Testament. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. I gave you word for word Out of the New Testament what it teaches about How to treat your enemies
2: That's How to treat people that you. are
7: bad no. And it talks about how God, what, how God feels about People who no, do David, evil things What you've
2: done is you've told, told What modern day says word for word
7: That's you not modern day I quoted Testament. directly out of the book of Hebrews The book of Hebrews in the New Testament says God does not desire the death of the wicked But rather that all men repent and live Now how does that go along with what you're trying to say Clearly stating I God is about, one of, uh, I'm
2: sorry, you guys are still talking about that guy. I was going back to the homosexuality part of it. Oh
7: no, 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 oh, no, no. We, no, no. we can you know,
0: keep it.
3: Yeah, no, we can. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it is all encompassing. I, the definition of morality is most probably "Judge not, lest ye be judged," which no. Jesus said, right? Jesus, not I'm not sorry. you're exactly differentiating morality. Name. But, Versus
7: how but, you treat people
3: No, just, just right, you not can say,
7: lest ye be no, no, judged dude. It's more of like this It's like, listen, I can say someone If I meet someone who's a thief right, I've got a lot of people in my family who are engaging in crime Whether it be drug dealing, gang banging All that kind of stuff Now I can say to them and say, Morally wise, what you're doing is wrong It's not right, you shouldn't do that You shouldn't rob people, you shouldn't be a drug dealer You shouldn't be involved in crime and all that But as a Christian, my job then Is to still love them and to treat them with respect, I'm not being saying something that something's morally wrong doesn't equate me now have to treat this person with in contempt like if I, if I meet a homosexual, I know that in my, in my beliefs is my faith homosexuality is wrong and it's immoral, but that doesn't mean I have to turn around and disrespect this person and treat them with contempt. I'm commanded to love them and treat them with the utmost respect and consider them better than myself. That's what you're supposed to do as a Christian
3: Judge but It not feels like the secular world – that's, the secular that's world is trying to make Christ it out to was, be, if I
7: say that something's wrong, that means that I hate that That's supposedly what
3: Christ said, but, once again, who wrote that? We don't no, know. You're, 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 don't, you're not, you're not, you're not it. quoting it
7: properly. Jesus talked Dude, about, in that passage, do not judge hypocritically. Judge not lest... Uh, uh,
3: yeah. Well, what, what yeah. What's the saying, then? What, what is the... Hey, I'll, I'll, give,
7: I'll give you the entire verse, which you just trying to quote. He said, judge not lest you be judged. That's what I said. So the measure that you use will be measured back to you. And so he goes on to say, behold, if you have a log in your own eye, how can you tell your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye? Out of your eye? First, take the log out of your own eye. And then when you see clearly, then you can help take the speck out of your brothers.
3: So okay, Dave, real quick, real quick. I am going to cut you off. Um, but who wrote that? We don't know who wrote this stuff, okay? And it's all based on faith. And you cannot have faith-based legislation, and faith-based based judgment and slaying of others. You cannot do that.
7: Yeah, but that you, you can't tell the people of church Brunei that. State. But that's in Brunei. We're not talking about the United States of America. That's hey, their dude, culture, man. their yeah, land. They're is, free to it, do whatever it, they it, want. You, like, sir, you it, can't impose you can your values on another can sit here and talk about whatever, whatever
3: I want to. I think that Sharia law is a bunch of bullshit. I agree
7: that it, 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 it's not, not based right on either, but... It, I can't, I can't go to another country and tell them how they're speaking. Yeah, I'm run not their going country. to another
3: country and tell them that. I mean, yeah, I am, I guess, over the airwaves. And if anybody's right. listening, they're probably going to be stoned to death for listening to me.
7: That, and, and again, we, can, nuts, we can't too. change that. Like you said, you're a moral relativist. And being a moral relativist, you have to accept that there are different cultures and accept their worldview. You're, you're reduced to that because you have no objective standard of ethics to point to to say to them, you're not supposed to do this, you're supposed to do this. You don't have that if you're a consistent agnostic. That's what you have to acknowledge.
3: You, you can't have legislation that's faith-based, man. The, you can't, life, can't
7: do even it. A, no, 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 no. That's faith-based. That's, right, that's, right, right, that's
3: based on Christianity. That's based to? on the Torah. That's based on the Koran. You can't have legislation that's faith-based. The Koran
7: says...
2: Okay, so my question is to David, so then... Based on what you're saying is, then Christianity, from your standpoint, from a Christian, that it is wrong because your morality is based on God. So you have to agree with Grunai would be immoral, correct?
7: No, I don't, because I know what the Quran says versus what the Bible says.
3: You cut me In off the Quran here.
7: <laughs> the Quran is completely kind of different. Off.
3: Well,
7: God, the, the Quran, the Quran is clear that the Quran, believe, Islam believes it, it's a political institution just as much as a re, of a religion. Whereas Christianity tries to emphasize the emphasis of the individual's relationship to God. For example, right. so stoning Jesus
2: of games said, is wrong, though, right? That's all I'm trying to get. Well, I, sentence, I agree right? with
7: that, and, and and this is what remember what Jesus did when it came to the woman caught adultery, and they were asked of him, "You're supposed to stone this woman. What do you say?" And he basically said, he basically convicted all the people of their sins, showed them that they were just as guilty as sinners. They walked away. He's left with just a woman in himself. He says to her, is there anyone left here to accuse you? She says, no one. He says, I don't, I don't accuse you either. I forgive you. Go and sin no more and go in peace. That's what Jesus did. Now, Muhammad had the exact same situation happen to him, where a woman, the Jewish people in his time, brought a woman to count adultery, brought her to him, and asked him the exact same question that they asked Jesus. His response was, bury her in the ground up to her neck and stone her to death. So Jesus and Muhammad were very, very different in what they taught and what they did, how they lived their lives. Let's remember, Muhammad, over the age, when he was over the age of 40, married a six year old girl and had sex with her when she was nine. How do you okay, get Muhammad to 40? Was, what do you mean?
3: How do you get to 40? Nobody lived to 42,000 years ago.
7: No, no, I'm talking about the time of Muhammad. This is just this is a historical fact. You can look at the hadith, which is the the Muslim sort of biographical account of I'd actually of like to life. see
3: the the DNA right, well, guys, on, we're on his body. Guys, we going to cut this short because today Oh man, this was so much fun, do. Dave. Thank you so much okay. for calling in, bro.
4: Yes, sir. Thank you so much. I would, I so would like to this talk about it again. more,
2: but we have a hard stop here in one minute because we have two new shows Come on. Dave, I always like okay. debating with you. Call back Same in. Here. You we'll talk about it more.
4: Peace, Dave. Thank Always good.
2: love when Dave calls in, but I never have a chance to get a word in edgewise between you two. I'm, to have to <laughs> to I'm so more sorry. Office. No, yeah, no, just <laughs>
3: literally just literally cut us off and and start talking and then punch us back in like you did. It's it's then, all good.
2: Exactly. I was like, I'm talking
3: to myself, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh
3: man. Oh, Dude, fine. it's been
2: a good show. I'll talk to you soon. I got it. we gotta head I- out. Guys, tune in tomorrow. We'll be back here at 1 o'clock Pacific, 4 o'clock Eastern, standing in my soapbox. Give us a call like Dave. All opinions are welcome. Bye-bye.
7: Peace.
5: Welcome to the Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of TheRandyReport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. In this week's headlines, a majority of Americans say they are more than comfortable with a gay or lesbian running for president. The House of Representatives approved a non-binding resolution rebuking Donald Trump's plan to ban transgender military service members. Republican lawmakers in Texas approved a bill that would allow state-licensed professionals to discriminate against LGBTQ people. And Netflix dropped the official trailer for Special, an offbeat comedy series about a gay man with mild cerebral palsy. All that and more in this episode of The Randy Report. According to a new poll by NBC News and The Wall Street Journal, a majority of Americans are either enthusiastic about or comfortable with a gay or lesbian person running for president. The poll's findings come as openly gay Mayor Pete Buttigieg of South Bend, Indiana, has seen a surge in polls as a potential 2020 presidential candidate. The survey showed that 54% of Americans said they would be comfortable with a gay or lesbian person running for president. An additional 14% said that they would be enthusiastic about a gay or lesbian candidate. The new data indicates how drastically Americans' attitudes towards a gay presidential candidate has changed over the last decade. In 2006, a similar survey found that more than 50% of Americans either had reservations about or were very uncomfortable with a gay person running for president. At the time, in 2006 only a combined 43% of American voters said they were either comfortable with or enthusiastic about a gay or lesbian person running for president that year. The 2019 survey shows 75% of American voters under 35 now saying they would be either enthusiastic or comfortable with a gay presidential candidate. In 2006, only 47% of that demographic said the same. The shift among voters who are above 65 years old was equally dramatic. In 2006, only 31% of voters above 65 years old were comfortable with or enthusiastic about a gay presidential candidate. According to the new poll, 56% of voters in that age group are now either enthusiastic about or comfortable with the possibility. In related news... Mayor Pete, who's only 37 years old and the youngest possible contender in the Democratic candidate field, announced today that he has raised more than $7 million in the first quarter of this year for his potential presidential campaign. Plus, Buttigieg recently surged to third place with 11% support of Iowa caucus goers who said that they would choose him to be their choice in a Democratic caucus. Keep an eye on Pete Buttigieg, people. He is in this. By a vote of 238 to 185, the U.S. House of Representatives approved a non-binding resolution last week rebuking Donald Trump's plan to ban transgender military service members. Introduced by Representative Joseph Kennedy III of Massachusetts, the Washington Post reports the measure was supported by the entire Democratic caucus and was joined by five Republicans after a one-hour debate. Calling the misguided policy, quote, targeted discrimination, Kennedy said the message being sent by the House vote was to tell transgender people that they cannot be banned from military service because of who they are. House Resolution 124 begins with the simple statement, expressing opposition to banning service in the armed forces by openly transgender individuals. The resolution notes that trans service members have, quote, served openly since 2016, bravely defending our nation with distinction while preserving unit cohesion and contributing to military readiness. And that thousands of trans Americans are actively serving in every branch of the armed forces and reserves. H.R. 124 also underscores the public testimony of all five military chiefs of staff who say the existing policy allowing transgender people to serve openly has had no adverse effect on military readiness. The resolution comes as the Pentagon prepares to begin enforcing the trans ban on April 12th, after the last of four injunctions blocking the policy from being implemented was lifted last week by a three-panel judge in the D.C. Circuit. The policy will prohibit people who have undergone gender transition from enlisting. And current trans-military service members will be required to serve as their biological gender unless they have begun gender transition before the new policy begins on April 12th. Republican lawmakers in Texas approved a bill last week that would allow state-licensed professionals to discriminate against LGBTQ people or anyone they want to refuse services based on their religious beliefs. The Austin statesman reports that Senate Bill 17 would give professionals who are licensed by the state, like lawyers, physicians, barbers, and pharmacists, the ability to turn away anyone they don't want to serve or do business with. The legislation includes a requirement that medical professionals treat patients who are at risk of death or serious injury, and licensed law enforcement officers would not be covered by the law. The bill's author, State Senator Charles Perry, a Republican, of course, says the legislation is necessary to make sure that state licensing bodies don't punish or retaliate against religious professionals who may take actions predicated by, quote, sincerely held religious beliefs. Perry told the Senate State Affairs Committee, quote, living our faith does not stop when we start to work. When we see what we may perceive as immoralities, immoralities, those people who hold those beliefs should be able to defend their faith without fear or losing their livelihood and their license. But opponents of the bill say sincerely held religious beliefs is a vague concept that could ultimately excuse any unprofessional behavior. Among those testifying at the committee hearing were a dozen members of the clergy, including Rabbi Nancy Kasten, who told lawmakers living according to religious beliefs, quote, should never be confused with permission to use faith as a weapon against those who do not share those beliefs. Reverend William Knight from the Metropolitan Community Church of San Antonio agreed, saying, love does not withhold care for those in need because of a difference in belief. The statesman reported a vast majority of the nearly 60 people who showed up at the hearing opposed the bill. But in the end, the measure was approved to the full Senate by a vote of 7 to 1. All six Republicans on the committee, plus State Senator Eddie Lucio Jr., a Democrat from Brownsville, supported the legislation. Only State Senator Judith Zaffarini, a Democrat from Laredo, voted against the bill. But wait, there's more. SB-17 is just the first of many GOP-sponsored bills in the pipeline that would create new faith-based protections. Here's just a few, although some have overlapping hate built in. SB-1107 would give medical professionals the ability to refuse performing non-emergency treatment that offends their sincerely held religious beliefs. HB-1035 would allow any marriage-related business to legally turn away same-sex couples, give county clerks the ability to opt out of issuing marriage licenses to same-sex couples, revoke any ordinances that require providing trans-friendly bathrooms, and protect religious groups who refuse to hire anyone whose beliefs don't align with their own. Similarly, HB 4497 would bar local municipalities and state agencies from punishing any business or professional who declined to provide marriage related goods and services s b nineteen seventy eight would prohibit state agencies and local governments for taking any adverse action against those who discriminate thanks to their sincerely held religious beliefs and hb forty three fifty seven would protect any faith-based counselors who practice so-called conversion therapy. You know my feelings about that, folks. Which purports to heal individuals of homosexuality. The dangerous and harmful practice has been denounced by practically all major medical associations, including, say it with me, folks, the American Medical Association, the American Psychiatric Association, and the American Academy of Pediatrics. Boo on all of these proposed laws. The 2015-2017 Youth Risk Behavior Survey from the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, reports that 7% of youth today identify as bisexual compared to 4% being unsure or questioning and just 2% identifying as gay or lesbian. It turns out bisexual youth represent the largest demographic of LGBTQ high school students. And they are more likely to experience depression, victimization, and suicidal thoughts than straight, gay, or lesbian peers. The Trevor Project took a new look at the data from the CDC focusing on the suicide risks regarding bisexual youth. The results are disheartening at best. Almost half of bisexual youth have considered suicide in the past 12 months. Worse, 40% have thought through an actual plan to take their life. 27% attempted suicide. 66% of young bisexuals reported feeling sad or hopeless for two or more weeks in a row during the same time frame. By comparison, 49% of those who identify as gay or lesbian felt sad or hopeless during the same period, as well as 46% of those who may have been questioning their sexual identity only 27% of heterosexual youth felt the same. 36% of bisexual girls reported being bullied at school, as did 30% of bisexual boys. And 21% of bisexual youth reported being forced to have sexual intercourse. I should note, if you or someone you know is feeling helpless or suicidal, please consider contacting the Trevor Project's Trevor Lifeline, at one 488 7386 Or you can text them at 678-678. One more time. You can text the Trevor Project at 678-678. I'll have the link to the data in the show notes. The National Association of Gay and Lesbian Real Estate Professionals, I'll call that NAGLREP, Working with Freddie Mac has issued a new report titled The LGBT Community, Buying and Renting Homes Report, which found some hard truths about LGBTQ home ownership. By the way, I should mention here that I'm a member of the National Gay and Lesbian Real Estate Professionals, having been a licensed realtor in Las Vegas for nearly 13 years, so I've seen a lot of the insight reported here. On average, 65% of Americans own their own home, but only 49% of LGBTQ people decide to purchase where they live. Naglerep reached out to its over 2,300 members to ask about the attitudes of LGBTQ customers as well as their expectations in the future. The report found that a majority of LGBTQ renters fear discrimination during the home buying process. 44% say they're anxious about just how welcoming their new neighbors might be. Additionally, Forty percent say they worry about a community's reaction if they decided to start a family. The recent reintroduction of the Equality Act in Congress, however, could change some LGBTQ folks' minds on homeownership. Twenty-two percent of Nagleret members believe the passage of the Equality Act could lead to a surge in LGBTQ homeownership by around five to nine percent. Another 25% of NAGLERET members were even more positive, thinking we'd see an increase of 10% or more. As I've mentioned before, the Equality Act would amend the Civil Rights Act of 1964 to prohibit discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity in employment, housing, public accommodations, public education, federal funding, credit, and the jury system. Gay and lesbian realtors believe removing housing discrimination as a barrier of entry would open the door for considerable LGBTQ homeownership increases. Plus, 58% of NAGLAREP members believe the Trump administration's policies on LGBTQ issues are having a negative impact on the community's confidence to buy or sell a home. One thing that did have a positive impact on LGBTQ homeownership was the Supreme Court's ruling in 2015 on Obergefell v. Hodges, which made same-sex marriage the law of the land. 55% of Ret members say more LGBTQ people have purchased homes in the wake of the Obergefell decision, a number that has grown stronger over the last two years. Members also reported that 73% of married LGBTQ couples are buying homes, compared to 41% of non-married LGBTQ couples, and just 35% of single LGBTQ people. Naglaret members also note a 61% increase in home sales to LGBTQ people with children since the Obergefell ruling. And one more statistic, 95% of LGBTQ homebuyers felt a lack of LGBTQ violence was a primary concern when choosing a neighborhood, as well as LGBTQ inclusive anti-discrimination laws. The latest data from the General Social Survey shows Americans seem to be having less sex. What? In fact, the number of people reporting having no sex in the past year has reached an all-time high. According to the Washington Post, experts who study Americans' bedroom habits say there are a number of factors driving the great American sex drought. Age is one of them. The 60 and older demographic climbed from 18 percent of the population in 1996 to 26 percent in 2018. The sheer reporting no sex has consistently hovered around 50 percent and because that age group is growing relative to everyone else it has the net effect of reducing the overall population's likelihood of having sex but changes at the other end of the age spectrum could be playing an even bigger role. The portion of Americans aged 18 to 29 reporting no sex in the past year more than doubled between 2008 and 2018 to 23%. The share of men younger than 30 reporting no sex has nearly tripled since 2008 to 28%, while female peers only report an 8% increase. Experts point to unemployment as a factor in younger men's sex lives. This is interesting. The data shows 54% of unemployed Americans don't have a steady romantic partner versus only 32% of employed Americans. Plus, more younger men are still living with their parents. Data shows that in 2014, 35% of men between the ages of 18 and 34 were living with their parents versus only 29% of women in that same age group. Clearly, it's a bit more awkward to get it going if you might be bringing a romantic partner back to your parents' house. A gay couple in Oak Creek, Wisconsin, have been ordered to remove their pride flag from the outside of their apartment home or be evicted. Kevin Coleman and Merle Malterer, told their local NBC News affiliate they received a note from their landlord at the Country Oaks Apartments on Wednesday last week informing them flying their pride flag outside their home was a breach of their lease. They were given five days to remove the flag or get out. Coleman told NBC News, It's a symbol of America. It's a symbol of our pride in America. Personally, I feel like we're being singled out here because of what it is. When contacted by NBC2, the landlord said the conflict wasn't a discrimination issue, but an issue with the appearance of the property. According to the landlord, no one is allowed to have flags anywhere, and it's against the lease agreement. The couple was asked in January to remove a Packers flag as well. However, a neighbor in the apartment complex, Ken Miller, flies flags outside his apartment and hasn't received a single written warning. He told NBC2 News, I've been here for three years, and I've had these flags up for at least two years, and I've never had any issues with the flags. In the NBC2 report, several flags could be seen throughout the apartment complex. Coleman and Malterer say they aren't backing down and will continue to fly their pride flag. Coleman says, It's part of my house. It's part of who I am. My neighbors don't care. Why should he? The couple told NBC2 they're looking into possible legal action. According to the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Northern District of Texas, one of two men accused of using Grindr to lure gay men to a vacant apartment in Dallas where they'd be beaten, robbed, and sexually assaulted has pleaded guilty. Folks, we have to be careful on the dating app. 24-year-old Michael Atkinson pleaded guilty last week to kidnapping and conspiracy charges in connection with his involvement in the scheme. The victims in the case, nine of them, range in age from 19 to 57. Atkinson and his 19-year-old accomplice, Daniel Jenkins, are accused of using Grindr to create fake profiles, posing as gay men, and luring men to a vacant apartment at the Solana Ridge apartment complex in east dallas u.s attorney aaron neely cox said in a statement unfortunately this is not the first time we've seen despicable crimes committed on apps like grinder i want to urge the public to be vigilant online and recognize the dangers that are lurking there atkinson faces a maximum penalty of life in prison for the kidnapping charge and five years in prison for the conspiracy charge and a fine of up to $250,000 with respect to each offense. Good. Jenkins' trial will be held later this year. Thank God the men were caught and justice is being served. Netflix recently released the official trailer for Special, an offbeat comedy series about a gay man with mild cerebral palsy. Loosely based on the critically acclaimed memoir by writer-actor Ryan O'Connell titled, I'm Special and Other Lives We Tell Ourselves, the series stars O'Connell as a man who, quote, decides to rewrite his identity as an accident victim and finally go after the life he wants. After years of dead-end internships, writing in his pajamas as a blogger, and communicating mainly via text messages, Ryan gets hit by a car in the street. When his new coworkers assume his limp is due to the accident, he just never bothers to correct the misunderstanding. He says, If you could get rid of the one thing you hate most about yourself, the thing no one understands, wouldn't you do it? The hilarious and heartwarming eight-episode series is being produced for Netflix by O'Connell, along with Jim Parsons' That's Wonderful Productions, and Warner Brothers Digital Network Stage 13. O'Connell's past writing includes being a contributor for BuzzFeed, Vice, Thought Catalog, and other publications, as well as serving as executive story editor for the reboot of the hit NBC series, Will & Grace. Special makes its Netflix premiere on April 12th. Check out the trailer on therandyreport.com. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy catching up on LGBTQ news in a quick podcast, I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't mind sharing The Randy Report with your friends. Hey friends, I know this really cute podcast. It's short and you can catch up on all the news in a little bit of time. I like to think of this podcast as the 60 Minutes of Gay News, only shorter. And remember, you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com, where I cover the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time.
6: You won't have to feel No When bullets come raining one by one I won't let you fall I won't let you rain This is the promise that I made, And I'll be your shield I'll be your shield I'll be a coat of armor Whoa
5: Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of TheRandyReport.com, where you can find me every single day on the Internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. Since 2012, when web series were just beginning to capture the attention of online viewers, the creative team of Rick Kopp, Joe Deedle, and Ben Zook has made Where the Bears Are, the comedy mystery web series, accumulating over 40 million views since its premiere and winning awards like Best Gay Web Series from AfterElton.com and Queerty. Where the Bears Are follows the exploits of four bear roommates sharing a house in the hills of Silver Lake, Los Angeles. It's often described as the Golden Girls meets Murder, She Wrote, but with big hairy gay men. The show has a worldwide fan base and the creators and stars have been flown to Europe, Australia, and Mexico due to the show's immense popularity. For the past four seasons, the series has been funded by the show's fans via crowdfunding campaigns that have allowed the creative team to produce Where the Bears Are to the high quality that's made the show such a success. According to press material, Season 7 promises to be one of the campiest and most outrageous yet, featuring a bear beauty contest, a crazed stalker that's targeting all of the bears, and shocking plot twists. The season will be sure to dazzle diehard fans and new viewers alike. Today, I'm chatting with the oh-so-handsome Ian Parks, who plays Hot Toddy on the series. Over the years, Hot Toddy has gone from a woofy sleepover date, to marrying his love Nelson, to becoming a secret agent at the International Security Agency. Ian is here to give us the update to what to expect in the upcoming season, as well as share why the crowdfunding campaign is so important to the series. Let's take a listen to the theme song to Where the Bears Are, and then we'll chat with Ian Parks. Marks, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm awesome. I cannot believe that you guys at Where the Bears Are, are about to approach season seven. Can you believe that you guys have been doing this since 2012 and so successfully?
8: I know. At, like on my Facebook page, on the uh, on this day feature, I was looking back through today. And a year ago, we were fundraising for season six. Two years ago, we were fundraising for season four. Five years ago, we were filming season two. And it's just sort of like, oh, my God, we've been doing this so long. But uh, it's awesome. It's, it was this totally unexpected ride that we've been on for the last six years. And hopefully, if we make our Kickstarter goal, we'll be able to do season seven. And it's kind of surreal.
5: You've gone from waking up in Nelson's bed at the top of episode one to mm-hmm. Now you're like the hero of the season. You're a you're a secret agent at the international security agency. You're the director now. Yeah. You're patching cut brake lines as the camper hurtles down the mountain with nipple clamps. <laughs>
8: Which is totally realistic, of course.
5: Totally, of course. I mean, if yeah. you put it all to, while a porn scene is being shot in the back of the camper. Oh, of course, stands to reason. As these things happen. It's still Rick and Joe and Ben, who have been with you from the beginning. They conceived the show back in 2012. Do they still surprise you with plot twists that they come up with? Is, does anything surprise you anymore? Not really. I mean,
8: sometimes – I haven't gotten the script for season seven yet. They said they'd be sending it any day, but I did get – at this point, I get to request stuff now, which is cool. because oh, there go. I, You know, we sort of talk – Each year, it's just like, what would you like to do next year if we get to do it next year? I had a couple suggestions for something that I wanted to do, which they incorporated into the script. And I also said, I want to make out with this certain cast member who I've never even gotten to do a scene with. Can you please write me a sex scene with that person? And they obliged. I was so happy to find that was in there.
5: How has making this series evolved over the years? Because, you know, I'm a huge fan of web series. When you guys debuted in 2012, I had just discovered them. I think the world had just discovered them because they were still kind of a new thing. I love them because uh, a web series has like 8 to 12-minute episodes, perfect for my short attention span. And the other cool thing, though, that you guys do is if you buy the DVD – of the season when it comes out. You you guys actually shoot it so the whole series goes together into like a two-hour movie that you can just hit play and watch the whole thing, right?
8: Yeah, and there's also like when when we shoot certain scenes, we shoot like the YouTube version and then the DVD version, and the DVD version is often oh, yeah. a little more explicit. Oh, uh, yeah. Stuff that we can't show on YouTube, so that's always that's always – fun and interesting and a plus, And that's something we actively try to do. It's just like, let's show something different in the DVD, give reason to people to go check it out as well as all the bonus features and holiday specials and things like that. But the first year, like the first year, I mean, if I go back and watch the first season now, it's like, man, this, this looks rough. Like <laughs> compared, compared to how it looks now, it's just like the first season was rough. Like the sound was less polished. The lighting was less polished. I even remember, like, we would be shooting season one, and it's just like, should we do another take of this? And it's just like, no, it's fine. And now we just do it until we get it right. You know, it's a credit to Ben, Rick, and Joe that they are able to take this modest budget and stretch it as far as they do. I mean, they're calling in every contact they have, every favor they, they've they accumulated over their careers. We're, we're, they're pulling strings in every different direction to try and make this happen. So it's kind of miraculous to see it in action, but... Uh, Last year when we got, usually the first week or so that we're shooting, it's a little rough, like we're getting back in the swing of things. Last year, like the first day, we were just like, okay, we know, we we got this. It's Like, this is a well-polished machine at this point, so let's just get on with it. And this year, if we get to do a season seven, um, it'll be our shortest shooting time yet. Oh. So, like, we'll be shooting the entire thing in a shorter amount of time than previous seasons, and... If we actually make this Kickstarter goal, which ends on March second, we're planning on starting shooting March fourth, which we've never done it that fast before, like usually wow, usually there's like six weeks or two months between the Kickstarter and shooting. We're starting two days after the deadline for the fundraiser, so God, I hope we make the fundraiser because then it would be a little awkward. <laughs> <laughs>
5: You know, you mentioned the Kickstarter campaign, which you guys have now used for four seasons, I think. This will be your fifth season to fund. You have a $150,000 goal. You have a little less than two weeks at this point. but. What I love about the Kickstarter campaign for you guys is, you know, I, I was watching the last episode of season six, and you have this great montage of these pictures of all the people that have contributed and, and given money and supported and ordered DVDs and merchandise and stuff. And you guys have such an amazing, diverse audience and fan base. Do you guys hear from the fans very much about what they want to see or why they love this series or why they they just continue staying with you guys, other than the fact that it's fun and, and over-the-top and campy and lots of furry guys?
8: We we always get suggestions about, oh, maybe there should be a storyline with these characters. Oh, you but Yeah, we, we – uh, not to say that we don't listen to them, but it's like – it's like Star Wars fans. Like, Star Wars fans want to see this, and if you don't give them this, then they don't like it. Like, all this backlash over the latest one. So it's like, I like the latest one, but a lot of fans didn't. So instead of trying to listen to what people want to see, we, sh- we try and show them what they don't know they want to see. Right. So we're always right. trying to do something new and take the characters in new directions. And actually, if we get to do Season 7, uh, the plot line that we've discussed so far, we get to see sides of the characters that we've never seen before. And I think... After six full seasons, going into a seventh, like you need to, you need to show new sides to these people because you don't want it to get stale. You want to sort of explore new territories, so that's what we're always trying to do.
5: And I understand the the backdrop of the next season will be in Palm Springs with the Mister Bear America contest. Yeah, we're
8: doing something kind of cool. Like uh, in the previous seasons, we always have a house, like the house where the characters live. That's right. like our home base. This year, we're, we're not at home at all, so Todd's not going to be in his office at all. Like, we're on vacation in Palm Springs the entire season, which means we're sort of fish out of water. We're out of our element, out of our comfort zone, which is great for storytelling possibilities. And it also sort of – because, you know, like with season six, it's like after five years, uh, you have these subplots that you have to keep going, and it's sort of – the thing practically writes itself because you, you have to keep following the storylines. And now this year we get to sort of like break out of the storylines and do something completely new and different. You know, obviously we'll still be following up on the subplots and things like that, but we get to sort of be a little more loose and fast with it, which I'm very much looking forward to. I thought that was a great idea.
5: Oh, I um, do too. There. And and for location, I think what a great place for you guys to be because there's, there's such a community in Palm Springs You're going to have a lot of places you can shoot, I think. I think it's going to open up. I just think it's a great idea across the board.
8: Yeah, uh, apparently, like I was asking them about uh, locations and things like that, and they said that everyone in Palm Springs, like we have a high saturation point in Palm Springs. Like a lot of people know the show. A lot of people know who we are. So when they call up a bar and ask if we could potentially shoot there, it's like an immediate yes, which is refreshing and nice that – I think maybe that's why it's happening so much faster this year is because it's sort of like, oh, well, everyone is happy to have us. So let's just pick where we want to do with this, and let's get on with it. So we'll see how it goes.
5: Well, I want to mention one more thing, because speaking of mysteries and solving the mysteries and everything, you actually solved a little bit of a personal mystery on Facebook yourself. Did because I? Yes, you did, because you, you share with us on Facebook. <laughs> I, we're friends on Facebook. I have no idea where this is going right now, by People, the way. People steal your photos all oh. the time. They pretend to be you. This has been a source of irritation for you for so many years. And I saw recently, like a, a week or two ago, you, you actually were in contact with someone and they had someone on like Growler or a, a dating app and they were pretending yeah. to be you. And I think you like took a picture with the guy who helped you butt and you sent it to the guy saying, this is not you, this is me.
4: Well,
8: no, it was like, I was in Palm Springs for uh, IBC weekend. We were uh, doing the screening of season six and promoting the Kickstarter. And this guy, I'm sitting in the lobby of the Hard Rock Hotel, and this guy comes up to me. And he's just like, "I was talking to someone on, Gru- uh, on Scrowler, uh, Scruff Growler, Growler. I was talking to someone on Growler who was using your, your pictures, and he was like five thousand miles away. He lived in Spain or something." And I said, "Those aren't your pictures." Uh, and he and the guy in Spain was, like, all acting offended. Like, what do you mean they're not my pictures? Of course they're my pictures. <laughs> and he comes over and tells me, and he's like, just this morning this was happening. I'm just like, dude, go get your phone. So he comes back with his phone, and we take a picture sitting next to each other. And the, he sends a message to the guy saying, you know how I know it's not you in those pictures? Because I'm sitting next to the guy in those pictures. And I was like,
2: oh, awesome.
8: <laughs> yes, <of course." laughs> I'm sure that person could care less and will continue to use my pictures. And it used to be a real source of, um, aggravation. Like it used to really bother me. And now it's just, it's just kind of funny at this point. Like really another one? Like I've, I have a list that I keep whenever this happens, I keep track. I've been keeping track for years. I have documented over 250 instances of people stealing my pictures on various sites and apps. And it's just ridiculous.
5: I just thought it was hysterical that you actually kind of busted someone Uh, like live in real time (laughs) after all these years of people doing it. I
8: just don't get it. Like, I don't get why someone would do that. I don't also don't get what they could possibly be getting out of it. And I don't get how they think it's in any way, shape or form acceptable behavior. I just, I don't get it. And I don't get why, it happens to me, and I, it's, it's just something that it more amuses me than bothers me anymore, so whatever.
5: And, and that's how I took it at this way, but I, I thought yeah. it was fun for us to get this year, that <laughs> on Facebook. Got it! I got one! I was a little ple-
8: yeah, I was pleased with myself, I, I have to admit. I was just like, yes, that, that was almost scripted it came out so Yeah, it, well. was,
5: it was almost a hot potty moment there. Oh, that's, <laughs> that,
8: that's what you want to call it. I prefer to call it an Ian Parks moment. I'll so. give you that,
5: yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having time to talk. I want to remind the listeners that you have until – I think the Kickstarter campaign ends March 1st at 9 p.m. Pacific time?
8: Um, Uh, March 2nd, I want to say. Okay. Either way. uh, Let's say March 1st
5: and get the money faster.
8: Yeah, we have 13 days at this point, and as always, thank you for taking the time to talk to us and help us plug this fundraiser. It's always a nail-biting fundraising experience trying to make this goal. So we appreciate the we appreciate the assist.
5: Oh, absolutely.
8: Hopefully, we'll be getting to work on season seven in 16 days.
5: I'm still a huge fan. I I was watching the credits roll. I saw my name because I contribute every year. I want to make sure I don't just watch. I I contribute, and I want everyone to do so. Everyone, if you want to donate, the easiest way to get there is to go. Go to wherethebearsare.tv. There will be a pop-up with a link to the Kickstarter campaign. And give some money to help these guys. It's fun. It's over the top. It's campy. And you get to see Hot Toddy be a secret agent now, and he's super hot. Anyway, thanks, Ian, for having time to to chat. I know you guys are going to get the money. I'll be shaking the trees with you guys. And I look forward to Season 7.
8: Yeah, me too. I, we have some fun stuff. I'm 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 any day now. I'm supposed to be getting the script, so I'm very much looking forward to diving into it and getting to work on this. And again, thank you for your help and thanks to all the people who have contributed to the Kickstarter and thanks to all the people who are going to contribute. Please do so
5: immediately. Right <laughs> and yeah, we
8: thank you. Yeah.
5: Awesome. Thanks for chatting, Ian. Sure thing. As I've made clear, I am a fan of Where the Bears Are and have been since 2012. I think it's terrific, over the top campy escapism. For 8 to 12 minutes an episode, I can just turn off my brain and laugh at where the guys take us. And every season, the writers and the creators seem to take us in new places that we have no idea where we're going, and then they top that. One of the things we didn't talk about very much is when you contribute to the crowdfunding campaign for Where the Bears Are, You become part of the Where the Bears Are community, and they let you know about when new things are happening. You get to see the trailer for the season before other people do. And also, if you contribute, you also get little bonuses. For instance, if you donate $25 to the campaign, you are thanked in the closing credits, like I was, I saw my name, for being a part of the community. For $35, you not only get thanked, but you get a digital download of the entire season presented as a movie – So you can see the entire season that way. If you pledge $50, you get thanked, you get the digital download, but you also get a two-disc DVD of the uncensored full-length feature version, including some nudity and extras, and also bloopers and outtakes and deleted scenes that you won't see on the regular season on YouTube. So there's a lot of fun involved with being a part of the Where the Bears Are community. And I just wanna encourage you to be a part of it. And not only is it fun, but I get asked often, Why isn't there more LGBT-centric programming or TV series or movies or music created by or specifically for an LGBT audience? And it's here. And that's why I want to showcase and spotlight these projects on The Randy Report so that you know about them and you can be a part of them. So like I said, if you want to be a part of the Where the Bears Are community and possibly donate to their crowdfunding campaign, go to WhereTheBearsAre.tv. And there'll be a link to take you to their Kickstarter page, and you can check it all out. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. I want to thank you all for listening. And remember that if you go to my iTunes page and click the subscribe button, every time I record and post a new episode, it'll be sent straight to you automatically. And remember, you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com, where I follow the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time.
9: Welcome to Voices for Change 2.0, the only podcast that focuses on mental health while mixing in movies, music, books, sports, and pop culture. Here are your hosts, Rebecca and
1: Joe Lombardo. Hey, good morning and welcome to Voices for Change 2.0
9: Yeah, good morning guys, thanks for tuning in to us this morning Uh, We are so grateful that you decided to get up on a Saturday morning and spend an hour with us humble folk
1: (laughs) Definitely, and especially today is a a very big day for for a lot of people, myself included, Mm -hmm. being World Bipolar Day
6: Yeah
0: yeah. Uh,
1: it's great. It's uh, amazing Our, the the amount of posts that are popping up on Twitter already. I'm really excited about that.
9: Yeah, I think we're going to be busy retweeting your hashtag all day long, babe.
1: Yeah, well, aside from my hashtag, it, that one's not quite as important as the other two. But
9: Right, right, but still, it's going to be in there.
1: Yeah, so um, if you're uh, going to tweet today, remember to use... Hashtag World Bipolar Day or hashtag This Is Bipolar. And if you do have bipolar disorder and you want to call in and chat about it a little bit today, please feel free. The number is 347-989-0126. And we'd be happy to chat with you. And, and I know I've, I've already checked with our guests. and Bipolar, I don't think, is their specialty. <laughs> but I've talked to them and they said they would be happy to um, entertain calls or, or what have you if we received any. So, yep, uh, we're grateful to them for that.
9: Yeah. So um, really, really quick. Uh, you know, I've been on vacation all week this week, and it's been it's been a busy vacation, but it's been nice getting to you know sleep in and you know just hang out a little bit and you know we're going we're planning anyway on yep so we're plan- <laughs> sorry we're planning on going out tonight and finally getting to go see uh Captain Marvel which I'm looking forward to uh mainly with Avengers Endgame coming out next month that I'm all super excited about and uh you know they keep showing ads and I keep getting more and more pumped up and I'm like why can't it be the end of April already
1: <laughs> so <coughs> you know. Pardon me, I'm choking on wa- water over here. Yeah, all right, babe. Yeah, um, okay. I must admit, and I'm I'm going against all the the women that I know that have seen the movie, but I'm not that excited about Captain Marvel. Um, I do like Brie Larson a lot, um, but I'm not entirely convinced. That she was exactly right for the role, but you know I'll I'll go tonight and I'll see and I'll probably be wrong and that'll be fine. <laughs> but <laughs> you heard yeah. it here first. It wouldn't be the first time.
9: <laughs> you heard, but, heard um, it here first, people.
1: Yeah, so I, I'm I'm sure everyone that's seen it has said it was a really good movie. There's been a few people I've seen here and there online that have said um, they didn't. Get why it was so impressive. So, I rarely listen to to critics or anything. So uh, I'll you know make my own decision after the sh- after the movie. But <laughs> hopefully it's good. Yeah, I'm, to
9: say. I'm looking forward to it. So, that being said, talking about pop culture and all, all things uh, groovy, we've got a couple of groovy guys that we're going to be talking to today. Um. They oh, But they're
1: not lovely and talented.
9: No, these guys are groovy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm sure they're lovely and talented. <laughs> I, I will not I will not dispute that in any way.
0: Okay.
9: But they're also really groovy. So, you know, I, I welcome grooviness to our show.
1: <laughs> oh my god.
9: <laughs> if you get eyes could only see the look on her face right now. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, they uh co host a podcast um where they talk about mental health and how it's portrayed in popular media, you know, movies, books, television, music. Which uh, is right up our alley.
6: It
1: is right up our alley. Very, very similar. So yeah. um, you know, we we look forward to stealing some of their ideas. I mean <laughs> I mean hearing <laughs> I mean, hearing about what they do. They're going to figure it out. (laughs) Babe. So um, we have uh, (laughs) Ryan, who is a therapist, and Mike, who is a mental health advocate. And like we said, they are uh, the creators and the hosts of Pop Psych 101. And we're really grateful to have them with us today. Uh, I've had this date scheduled for some time. So Mm -hmm. this is going to be a good show. So um, welcome aboard, guys. How you doing? Hi. We are great.
10: <laughs> yeah, doing really good. Hi. We're
11: great. Yeah, Thank you Rebecca, so much for want... having us on. Yeah, absolutely.
10: <laughs> Rebecca, I did want to say out of the gate, if you get any callers about bipolar, I'm also bipolar. Oh, fantastic. No. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Maybe I shouldn't say fantastic. <laughs> oh yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> but, um, it,
9: you have bipolar that's great.
0: Yeah.
9: <laughs> I
1: love it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I you know what I mean. You you, you know where I was going with that.
11: <laughs> yeah, so, so while we may not be uh experts per se, we have both perf-
9: personal and professional experience with it,
11: for sure. Yeah.
5: Okay.
9: Great. Uh, I'm, I'm happy we established that
5: <laughs>
9: <laughs> and, and the way we did. <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, do
1: you guys have any questions for us before we jump on in?
9: Yeah.
11: Uh, no. No, we're no. really excited. It was funny. We were talking before we came on, You um, uh, as you guys were, were talking about before we uh, jumped in. Um, it, it's just fun to talk to other people who are passionate about mental health and also other things um you know, sort of adjacent to that, so we have a lot of fun talking about, obviously, as you introduced us, in mental health as it's portrayed in pop culture, but um you know, if you've listened to our show, you know we also try to have fun with it as as you guys do so it's it's nice to talk to kindred spirits
10: yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely indeed,
9: indeed, indeed, it is, so yeah i'm I'm looking forward to jumping in
1: all right so why don't you go ahead and ask first question there jumpy
9: wow (laughs) guys i never get to ask the first question this is this is new territory for me so i'm excited groovy. so i know it is groovy
10: you guys are are building it up
9: yeah (laughs) i'm getting nervous yeah me too um okay so a question for each of you where does your mental health journey begin um Mike, if you want to answer first, that would be awesome, and then we'll get to Ryan.
10: Yeah, sure. Well, you know, I think mental health is something that spans everyone's lifetime, uh, whether you have a diagnosis or not, like, it's just something to, you know, be aware of and and stay healthy in, but as far as my issues and my diagnosis, started real bad when I was about 19, And uh, massive panic attacks, all sorts of just, you know, bad things, not feeling well, and absolutely had no idea what was going on. Uh, And as you guys can probably both know, the climate about mental health back then was even more, like more stigma, like you tell your friends and you get a lot of it's in your heads and that kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. I avoided therapy or even going to see anybody about it for like five or six years. And, uh, yeah, and I've just kind of been dealing with that ever since. And, and yeah, it just has been a, a long road, but I have I worked hard to, you know, learn about coping and living, uh, with it as, as, um, that it's not me or my identification, but, uh, you know, just something I have, like, uh, if I were to have, like, um, I don't know, no foot or something, (laughs) just living with it and keeping going forward. Very cool. (laughs) Kind of, I mean, yeah. (laughs) And now I make Pop Psych 101.
9: (laughs) And uh, what about you, Ryan?
10: Yeah,
11: so it's an interesting question, and I've talked a little bit about it on the show. Um, You know, some of it goes back to experiences in childhood and just sort of, wanting to understand both myself and other people and how I would say life events form us and form our thought patterns and form our emotional responses. You know, so things that I experienced in childhood leading me towards um, majoring in psychology in undergrad, having some really formative um, internship and job experiences in the field um, initially in actually in addiction for several years um, hmm. And obviously, addiction carries with it a lot of mental health issues, Um, so getting a lot of experience working with people who have, you know, strict addiction issues, but then also what we, in the field, called dual diagnosis, people with addictive disorders and mental health issues. So uh, over time, I transitioned into working with people who mostly only had mental health issues, Um, and, and then obviously in today's climate, the addiction field and the opioid crisis and all that sort of thing is is a very serious issue, but I found my um, my calling kind of came more towards both uh, a younger population, so I work with a lot of um, grammar school to sort of college-age students now, and over time I transitioned from working in inpatient units. Now I work um, only outpatient, essentially private practice model, um, but I, I am very grateful for the opportunity to work with people who have mental health issues and any help i can provide both in direct practice and now in the podcasting realm is something that i've really enjoyed and you know just getting an opportunity to to educate people but also hopefully entertain people while also talking about mental health issues is something that we've really gotten um enjoyment out of
9: cool and
1: how how long have you guys been doing the podcast now
10: Uh, We started in October, well, kind of started in October, our first episode came out in October, but Ryan and I have been kind of working together since, what, June or July of
0: 2018?
10: Oh, okay. Yeah, so we just recorded our 26th
11: episode, um, and that doesn't count all the sort of silly deleted scenes and other random stuff we upload, but... (laughs) Our, our proper episodes. Um, I think we just recorded 26. That'll so be out on Monday.
9: That's right. Oh, that's exciting! good yeah. congrats, guys.
10: It's great. Yeah, we yep. crossed that 25 marker. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Apparently, is a big deal for podcasters. <laughs> well, that's cool.
1: So, um, next question is uh, for let's let's um, we're going to direct the questions at 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 you at Ryan or at Mike. That way, we can. Um, avoid some of our talking over each other. Yeah, Mike and I never do
11: do that to each other on our show, so that'll be completely different for us.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, believe me, we know.
9: We know a (laughs) thing or two about talking over one another. Yeah,
1: we sure do. Yeah. So (laughs) So, um, I will go to Mike with this one. How long have you uh, known each other?
10: Uh, Ryan and I? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we yeah. I, yeah, I guess since before June or July, uh, Ryan and I uh, met on a forum in, uh, like, a podcast support, like, you know, learning things. And I'd been podcasting for a little bit, and we both had separate shows. So, yeah, we, we started talking and working together on his other show back in July. So not even oh, okay. a year yet.
9: So you guys are still in the honeymoon phase.
0: <laughs>
9: <laughs> well, I caught the wife off guard with that one, guys.
0: <laughs> Good Lord. I, don't, I
9: don't think she was expecting that. That was great. I uh, wish she could have seen it. <laughs> so well, very cool. Um, so it's, so it's still relatively fresh for you working together. How is that been? Cause I know before the show started, uh, one of you is in New Jersey and one of you is in Missouri, right? Right, that's right. Right. So how how do you guys actually go about doing the show then? I mean, like we do ours through, through Skype. Do you do the same thing, or do you have a different way that you do it, or dish? Tell us. Um,
10: yeah, we so,
11: do. Yeah, Mike. Okay, go right. Well, yeah. So, so I was going to say, um, you know. I'm, I'm Ryan. is is a therapist from New Jersey, by the way. And
4: um,
11: okay. you know, we, as Mike mentioned we started out. Um, Mike was helping out, helping me out with some audio on my show, um, my individual podcast, which is uh, in hiatus now, focusing all my attention on Pop Psych 101. Um, and you know, we started recording. I think together at the same time. Um, right around that time in October of last year, and the the format that's really working well for us is we do Skype live, but individually record our tracks, and then Mike, who is a audio and visual guy, um, computer whiz, uh, throws everything together and makes us sound real good. So um, we actually have a really nice um, working relationship in that you know we're both. Um, experts in our own fields, if that makes sense. Like Mike um, brings a lot of value to what we're doing and, um, you know, makes the show sound far better than I ever could have on my own. But also Mike brings his personal experience, which I think in terms of listeners being able to hear someone share their own experience is incredibly valuable, but also in in breaking down things and asking questions and, you know, doing things that I wouldn't think of on my own as a therapist, just sort of doing my own thing
9: as I was before
1: nice. Yeah.
9: That's really cool. Yeah.
1: Very cool. You know? Yeah.
9: And it, and it, it does help having, uh, you know, a, a tech background doing this stuff. Um, oh yeah. It's, definitely. it's a bit of a learning curve, <laughs> you know, it's, it's definitely a bit of a learning curve and, you know, that's why I'm, I'm grateful that we've got Scott cause. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's, uh, he's our go-to guy when it comes to actually doing the show and, and all that. And,
1: I've been able to figure out a couple of of the ins and outs of of podcasting. Like, you know, I have a a separate Spreaker account so that, um, you know, we can just, you know, blanket the the world with our podcast, essentially. Blanket the interwebs. Yeah. (laughs) And I figured out how that works, but as far as, you know, Actually, producing a show, we'd we'd be lost without Scott. So we're we're really grateful to him. Yeah,
9: and incidentally, if you hear any noise in the background, that's us trying to keep our youngest cat from getting into the closet. (laughs) Um, So, well, I can totally relate. My
11: two cats are currently circling the bedroom as well. So, (laughs) no worries there.
9: Cool. Yeah, uh, she she is obsessed with trying to get in there for God knows why, but um. Yeah, so I just had to chuck a marker at her. So there's that. <laughs> Live radio. Yeah, Please good, time. <laughs> good times. Good so. times.
1: Okay, so next question will be for Mr. Mike. Uh, how important is sharing your story
10: with uh, other advocates? Uh, with other advocates? Absolutely very important, I think. Um, and admittedly, before Pop Psych started, I, you know, had been in therapy and outpatient programs, inpatient programs a couple of times, but I kept it really very hidden as far as, you know, basically only close friends and family knew that aspect of me. And uh, when Ryan and I started working together, I I realized, hey, I'm going to have to come out and say that I'm you know bipolar more publicly now and so like I never really thought of myself as an advocate until around that point and until we've kind of gotten emails from people that we've helped them uh, through different struggles and so then I, I you know have taken my goal from just making a show and entertaining people to advocating so I would say yeah it's really super important to you know spread the message is definitely the number one goal is, is you know Normalizing the conversation, and whether that be with mental health health advocates or um just people with mental health issues or people without them, it's all very important
1: hey, what <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry he was he was staring at me like i I had I, something planned to say, and i, I was oh. I was gonna say that's that's great. <laughs> No, it's very cool. Um well,
9: I, well I've been the one responding.
1: Oh, okay. So All right. I was
9: giving you the opportunity. I didn't well, thank you. want to
1: be help. Well, I help. I appreciate you coming forward and, and and telling your story for sure. Um I know that I've had some similar experiences and uh I was also diagnosed at 19. So, uh we have some Oh, wow, well, yes. Some things in common there, but, um, Mm -hmm. and looking back on, on my life, I know that I probably could have been diagnosed even earlier. Uh, but nobody knew, nobody knew what was going on with me, why I was having the issues that I was having. So.
9: Yeah. And it, you know, it's, it's very brave and it, I shouldn't have to say that it's very brave in this day and age, but it still is very brave for you to come forward and tell your story, Mike. Um, You know, it's it's there's still a lot of stigma out there, and yeah,
1: there is. But it's 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 people coming forth and telling their stories is becoming more and more of a common theme. Yeah, you know, I I feel like you know, and I, I could be just you know way off base with this, but I feel like there's more positivity and people coming forward with their stories than there is stigma right now. And that doesn't to say that there isn't sigma. Uh, believe me, I know that there sure. is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I feel like maybe we're moving forward in in, in a positive way, uh, and kind of canceling the 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 negativity that that when we all first started this mission, that we were all
10: facing. Yeah, I would even say like, uh, you know, back when things first started for me or not, you know, not first started, but started getting more apparent that it was – back then it was complete rejection if you told anyone, and now it's just a little awkward. (laughs) So that's Mm -hmm. like a a vast improvement from rejection. For sure.
9: Yeah, and some of us are are normally very awkward.
10: (laughs) (laughs) So – um.
1: I, I, I just have to, I just have to say one thing that that is kind of funny. I, it doesn't relate to the topic necessarily, but I uh, we've we've had my my niece, well, our niece and great niece, staying with us. They aren't they aren't here today, uh, but the baby is just four months old, and I sit here with my husband who has baby puke <laughs> going down the shoulder of his t shirt. <laughs> and you know, it just kind of gives you the idea of what of what a vacation he's had over the past week. <laughs>
9: yes, it's, uh, it's it's that, that is it's quite been, a visual. It's, it's it's been interesting, I'll tell you. Um, yeah, you reach a point where you throw up your hands and you give up. And you're like, okay, I'm going to walk around with puke in my shirt today. Um, it, it's a, it's a new normal. So.
10: You know, yeah, I have a three and them. a one year old, and I don't have any clean clothes. So,
9: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can I can imagine. So, but yeah, she's uh, she's my pride and joy, that little one. So I I love her very much.
1: Yeah, she's and, she's adorable. She's and I know everybody says this, but she really is one of the cutest babies I've ever seen.
9: Yeah, we're not biased.
1: We're really not. No, no, she, of
9: course not. No, no, no. She's very adorable. <laughs> so. Um, So so the next question I kind of have to modify A little bit And and we're going to start with Ryan on this one Um, You you guys mentioned That before you started working Together on on Pops Like 101 You each had your own podcast That you were working on So on those individual Podcasts when you both First started doing it What made you decide to do a podcast? Why a podcast? Together no, no, no! Be starting out before together, just to oh, on okay. our own. Yeah, sure. Yeah, just the initial. You know, I mean, because obviously, when you're both doing a podcast and you see that you have a good working relationship, you know, then it's a, a no brainer. It's like, oh well, we, we should work together. You know, and I and I get that. Yeah. You know, yeah. but the initial motivation to starting your own podcasts. Why, why'd you do it?
11: <laughs> yeah. So for me. um you know, as, as a therapist, you know, obviously, you know, being in therapy, in, in sessions, you know, all the time, ha- having these sort of conversations all the time, but also having this overarching feeling of, I wish more people had access to the insight that that people develop on their own in, in these sessions. Um, so I've always looked for ways to kind of spread that information in one way or another. Um, you know, I've written blogs, I've... Um, you know, done speaking and workshops and things. Um, and I've just found that, you know, starting out doing the, the podcast stuff, that talking has always felt much more natural to me than writing. I still, I'll, I do still write on the side, but I just love the sort of natural, and now especially having a, a co-host, conversational um, way to, to interact and talk about these issues. Just really opens the door to more people being able to relate, being able to connect to the information. Um, And and obviously we chose our topic um, and I chose um, the topics that I've talked about because I've just been trying to find a way to make this information more accessible for people. So we can talk about mental health through the realm of pop culture, through the realm of movies and television where people talk about that stuff anyway, you know, all the better Mm. for me, all the better that we can find ways to talk about stuff like, bipolar disorder or PTSD, or, um, you know, we have an episode coming out on um, Monday about the therapeutic relationship um, in goodwill hunting. So, yeah. um, yeah, So, so any way that I've been able to find to spread that information is really something that's attracted me. And, and to this point, podcasting has been the most enjoyable. I think it feeds, um, I'm a, I'm also an improviser on the side. So it feeds that sort of um, off the cuff, Conversational um, stuff that I really
9: enjoy. Very cool. Very cool. Um, we'll get Mike's side of it after our break. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're about twenty-five minutes in now, and we're gonna take our first break, um, just in case you guys—I don't know—got to take a leak or something. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> um, we're gonna be listening. I gotta go to be David groovy. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it would be groovy if you had to go make a tinkle. So um please stop, please <laughs> stop. We're, we're gonna listen to Dear My Future Self by David Hernandez. Stay tuned. Dear my future self.
6: Say- It's a journey, it's a journey, it's a struggle, but I know when the world No peace No peace It's a struggle, it's a struggle, it's a struggle To find me
0: me. When the
6: world breaks Be strong. Don't lose the faith, you gotta keep on. You gotta keep up, you gotta be strong. Be strong, be strong. You gotta keep up, you gotta be strong. Don't lose the faith, you gotta keep on. You gotta keep up, you gotta be strong, be strong. When the over race You stand tall when you feel pain. You fight it all when they go low. You gonna hide, you're gonna rewrite the storyline. Those that don't believe in you.
9: Hey, welcome back to Voices for Change 2.0. I'm Joe, she's Rebecca, and those guys over there, oh, they're a couple of groovy guys we happen to call Mike and Ryan from uh, Pop Psych 101, in my best radio voice. Yeah. Stick around. I'll be here all week. Try the veal. Tip your waitress. So, um, all right, so we were talking about uh, podcasts and what made you want to start. So, Mike, where was your motivation for starting your podcast
4: uh,
10: before
9: working with Ryan
10: Okay That would start when I was 13 years old Around, well maybe 8 <laughs> Wow, really? So, Yeah, I'll go through this fast When I was 8, I okay. started my first creative project Called the A&M Groovy Group And we, we uh, lip synced to the Archies And made dance steps um, But I took it very seriously
0: <laughs> And
10: uh, then I started drawing comics uh, terribly and would send them to Marvel um, and then when I was 13, I started a band and started playing pretty yeah. seriously and uh, let's see when, when I was 15 and like 15 and a half, uh, we got signed by a like independent label, very small, but that was really cool because we got to go on you know a couple of short trips and play a bunch of gigs and and do uh, yeah, just rock around and then I played music all the way up until I was about 28. But in between that time, uh, I kept on creating, just never, ever stopped creating. So I had a YouTube channel with a couple of my friends that like went viral. Uh, we got signed by a... Uh, um, oh, my gosh. It's like a, a talent agency to write sitcom pitches. Uh, we got fired after a year because we were very wow. unsuccessful. Um <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then, but the point of all that is that I just never stopped creating. So it's kind of a natural evolution. Um, but speaking to the mental health aspect of it, last February of 2018, um, I went really, really, I guess you would call it, I would say it's like hypomania, but I got really, really focused. And those guys that I created a YouTube channel with, which are like my best friends, we started making a show that was for YouTube um, called Game Socket. And Hmm. it was a parody show, um, kind of making fun of of over sensation of just everything. Um, But we used video games to do that. And the podcast part of it was just the plot in the show um, Hmm. because we videoed ourselves, but we're supposed to be podcasting. So the whole show was basically scripted. Uh, We were playing characters. Um, where the two hosts did not get along and basically screamed at each other and never got the video games.
0: Um,
10: <laughs> that yeah, sounds uh, <laughs> <pill>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, You know, if you know what it is, it's pretty good, but we got a lot of hate because people couldn't tell that it wasn't real. Nah. And
0: yeah.
10: <laughs> I was playing like an alcoholic. It was crazy, but um, <laughs> I was going through some hard times this past year. One of the hardest years... Um, of my, you know, battle with mental health, um, but I kept on making that, and yeah, I mean that's how I got into podcasting because it was just kind of accidental. Just started doing it.
1: <laughs> wow, and I met Ryan. Excuse me, exceptionally creative persons, or
10: yeah,
9: yeah, and and I got to talk with you later about the whole music thing. I uh, I too have been playing music. Since I was twelve, and tell uh, oh, wow. how
1: many years that
9: you now. <laughs> uh, that over 30 years I'm playing guitar. So, um, I actually just reconnected with some old buddies of mine, and we started uh, playing gigs again, and it's it's been great because I haven't done it. It's amazing, in, I bet. Yeah. nine years, seven, eight years, something like that. My my last gig before a couple weeks ago was October of 2011. So yeah no twenty eleven baby and uh yeah, so it's <clears throat> it's been really cool, kinda of getting back into the whole groove of things, and it's been exciting for me it's and it's been cathartic, which is that's one thing that people don't realize when it comes to playing music, and like, well, why do you play music, and there's a lot of reasons for it, but one of them is there's just a catharsis, especially if you're playing you know heavier rock like we do, um. Yeah. You, you get out all these emotions and feelings, and it's just, it's great. You know, you get done, and it's like a good workout.
10: Yeah. We had an episode on, uh, we did codependency in A Star is Born. Hmm. And okay. uh, so we were talking about music, and Ryan was asking me about my musical history and how and I'm 35, and I stopped playing music to, like, gigs and stuff when I was 28, and we pointed out how Bradley Cooper's character, no matter how bad he felt, he, whenever he played, it seemed like all of that just disappeared because he was in mm-hmm. the zone and it's just this thing for him. And then, you know, because we talked about leaving it when I was 28 and how it's such a huge part of your identity when you have been doing it so long that, uh, so I can commiserate because that many years between a gig, it's like finally getting back would be awesome. Mm -hmm.
9: And it was, and it was especially cool because, uh, we were, um, we didn't share the stage with them, but we shared the venue. Uh, we were playing the same night in the same place as Queensryche and Fates Warning. And that was just, that was awesome. You know, Queensryche was a huge influence on me when I was a kid and, uh, you know, to, to meet, you know, I met their lead singer and, you know, I didn't get to talk to the one guitar player that's been with them from the beginning, but I was, you know, within spitting distance of the guy and that was really cool. Yeah. So, would have
1: been cool if you spit on him. No, I'm not <laughs>
9: going to spit on Michael Wilton.
1: <laughs> God, what's the matter with you? <laughs> I'm just being a smart aleck. Yeah, uh, you're good at it. <clears throat> um, yes, I am. I It's, it's, Hey, I, I will accept that. It's not, it's not easy to be as good at it as I am. Well, you are good at it, Michael.
9: <laughs> so, but no, it was a, it was, it was a great time. You know, was for for first gig back, it was, you know, there were we had issues because you know it's first gig back, but it was still really cool. So, um, let's get back to our questions.
1: Yeah, for... let's back here. It's your turn. It's my turn. All right, so uh, Ryan, what made you decide to combine uh, pop culture with mental health? in your podcast? Yeah, so yes, yeah. I mean, so my
11: my initial podcast, um, I was you know sort of having conversations both with people who um, experience mental health issues on their own and experts. So um, you know, talking about that stuff, talking about skills can people can use. And, you know, I found those conversations, while very useful, Um, they felt kind of academic to me. I felt like I was in school. Um, I wanted the conversations to be looser. I always felt myself wanting to have a little bit more fun, a little bit more uh, casual. Um, And as a result, I went on to the forums that Mike and I met, and I kind of put up a, a poll where I said, you know, here's a couple ideas I'm throwing around of um, ways I could talk about this stuff differently. And by far the the movies, or I guess you could say mental health and pop culture was by far the winner of the poll that I had up. Um, and Mike actually reached out to me after I put that that poll saying, Hey, if you're going to do this, I, I would love to be a part of it. So, um, and I think, you know, going back to college, it's always something I've just done anyway. You know, I'll watch a movie, um, and you know probably impartially because i've been in school or been doing therapy for close to 15 years now and i'll be thinking about like oh like that's a really interesting relationship dynamic you know meanwhile you know my daughter's watching frozen and i'm like man i wonder what happened you know between those sisters uh you know what i mean like and <laughs> and that's that's just where my brain goes I, I i have to i have to restrain it sometimes so i can just enjoy stuff but um, I just love thinking about those sort of interactions and, and internal processes, and um, so that, that's the stuff that I find fun and interesting, and luckily for me, Mike did too, so here we are talking about it, making fools of ourselves, but um, hopefully <laughs> in a, an entertaining and informative way for people.
1: And that's funny, because I come from, I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but my. Uh, I my family is we we were big movie watchers. I worked at um both a movie theater, <clears throat> excuse me, I was a manager of a movie theater and later I was a senior assistant manager of Blockbuster Video. So, um movies have always been a huge part of of my life and it included with movies is um Mystery Science Theater 3000. For
0: sure. So, I oh, uh, love yeah. it.
1: Yeah, and and Rift Tracks now, of course, but uh, I can't watch a movie without MScK <coughs> MSc3King it a little bit, you know. Yeah, so yeah. i i I get where you're, <laughs> I get where you're coming from, especially, uh, you know, a movie that I'm not particularly interested in watching. Maybe it's one of Joe's picks, <laughs> like um, uh, what was that Johnny Depp movie you made me watch that was horrible? Mordecai. Mordecai. Uh, oh, wow. Wait, wait. People, save yourselves.
9: <laughs> Do not watch this film. This, you know, if you're of a certain uh, fan of comedy, of a certain type, it'll appeal to you. Um, yeah,
1: the wrong, Beck, the wrong type. We'll stop.
9: You know, Beck just is not, It's it's not her bag is... Basically, the way I could uh, yeah, I it was put terrible,
1: in. terrible movie. It was just absolutely <laughs> I and I thought I,
9: it was freaking hilarious. So, but but then again, she also doesn't like uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, <clears throat> Um, Gleaned World. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Oh man, I know I, I just shattered your whole view of her, didn't I?
10: Yeah, I don't know if we can oh, continue okay.
9: the
11: show. Mike and I have yeah. very differing views on movies too. That's that's one of the nice things about our working relationship is that um, while we agree on some things, obviously it's mental health related, we also have uh, probably weird preferences for certain things. So I think it's it's a good mm-hmm. sign of our relationship, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah.
9: <laughs> speaking speaking of Bill and Ted, really quick, uh, August 2020, Bill and Ted face the music. Just saying.
1: Okay, oh, yeah, that's
9: that's great. Yeah. Right. It's happening. <laughs> it's happening. Yeah.
1: So, uh, out of curiosity, do you guys know? uh, Either one of you can answer. uh, How? What? uh, What topic you did that was was the most popular? Which Which film? Which TV show? Whatever. Whatever you did, which one was the most popular for you
10: guys? Um. Well, okay. So. so Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. Okay, so our first episode we did probably has the most numbers behind it, but that's like a been a slow trickle, Uh, but that was Dissociative Identity Disorder in Fight Club. Hmm. But our sixth episode, yeah, yeah. Um, So we talked about like what Dissociative Identity Disorder really is and how it's portrayed in Fight Club and how, you know, that's not how it really is. And, mm-hmm. and Which is what we do We we analyze the accuracy of this stuff And right. so uh, But our fastest growing episode We did uh, major depressive disorder In uh, Frozen's Elsa And that one went real fast For us as far as uh, people Listening to it And it still gets People listen to it yeah, people Well love you know you business. could
1: You could uh, If you haven't yet You could revisit DID with Split too yeah. Yeah, we've talked yeah. about
11: that one. Um Yeah, we've talked about doing that one. Um yeah, love love I'm a, and
1: huge, night. a huge I I I'm a huge James McAvoy fan, but I just because I have several friends that uh are coping with D I D and their responses to the film and, and everything I I haven't wanted to see it because I you know, I just I didn't Think that there was a lot of accuracy to it so i'd be i'd be curious how you guys would uh kind of break that one down yeah
11: and that's would really another reason why we're doing the show is, is because we want to be able to tell you know a wide audience you know hey <laughs> this mental illness is being used as a plot device and this is not mm-hmm. something that you should have in the back of your mind when you hear someone say they have did um, right. You know, you shouldn't worry about them automatically coming like a violent psycho beast killer or whatever uh, mm-hmm. his next way is. Um, You know, and we want to dispel a lot of those rumors that I think people associate because of pop culture, because of movies and TV shows.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, right. I've actually written a couple of blogs on on different films and how the Hollywood has kind of gone in this direction with bipolar disorder where it, you know, you can be reading the description of a film and it's, you know, man finds woman, marries woman. um, They're happy for a while. And then all of a sudden she flips out and tries to kill him because she's bipolar. And it's like, they, they, they don't have any other reason anymore that people could flip out and want to Kill somebody it's always because they're bipolar And I, I really Yeah think or Callie like they have some, really or some, or
11: some Or some trauma right or some trauma In their right. background oh we learned that the villain Was was this happened to the villain So now they're a terrible person It's like trauma doesn't automatically right. mean someone's Going to be bad or evil Or, or it's going to hurt people
1: Exactly
9: right. Exactly.
1: You want to go back um,
9: Let's see what we got here So where can people Tune in to your show
10: Okay, That uh, well, uh, all of our social medias are at PopPsych101 everywhere. Mm-hmm. So wherever you go, you can find us there. Um, if you don't know how to listen to podcasts, you can just go to PopPsych101.com, and it's on there, or from there you can follow that to many apps. But we are on, oh, my gosh, everything, iTunes, it's Spotify, Google all Podcasts. Them, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're on all of them. Wherever you get podcasts, we're there. Cool. <laughs> That makes it easy. Yeah, for sure.
9: Yeah, I, uh, I I gotta check out some of the topics that you guys talk about because uh, you know it's to me it's fascinating. You know, um, I actually just now remembering back in speak up okay <clears throat> back in my college days, I actually took for my history class I took history goes to the movies, and it was it was kind of cool because it. Broke down, you know. We'd watch these movies that were supposedly supposedly based on history, and they would, you know, then we would break it down. Okay, well, what's accurate? What isn't? You know, this and that. You know, where did they take poetic license and all that stuff? And to be able for you guys to do that with your show with mental health is is really cool. I think I, I, I'm just fascinated by the whole concept and yeah. uh, good Anya. Yeah.
1: It- we I mean we talk about, you know, pop culture and movies and books and music and all all that kind of stuff, but we don't um break you know, it down. Yeah, we don't break it down so much as as the way you guys do it and, and which is good because that means <laughs> you know, we can both coexist. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah we yeah, all yeah. have our own stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um I'm just joking with you guys but um <laughs> We will we will cry. Jeez! I'm kidding. Oh, We're just
11: the other corner of the same block. How about that? Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, it's it's <laughs> really really interesting the way that the way that you do it, especially when you've got someone who is actually uh in the medical field. Yeah. That's really really cool. So I I I definitely want to get into uh, listening to your show and and I'm. I didn't know as much about you guys prior to this interview, so I'm I'm glad that we were able to have you on because, you know, now I'm really interested in what you've got going on.
9: Hooray!
11: Well, thank
1: you so much. We're <laughs> glad we've we've left a, a good first impression.
9: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, well, that, well, that was the thing too, and, and we kind of approach our show like this is you know little little background for us. You know, and, and you guys know this. We send out pre-interview questions to find out whatever topic our, our guests want to talk about, and then, you know, we'll we'll have these basic questions that we'll ask. But we don't want to get too involved with the research because, you know, it is kind of a nice little discovery journey for us too, finding out, you know, what makes you tick and, you know, what your motivations are and all that stuff and just getting to know you. You know, it's always getting easier getting to know people actually physically talking to them than it is, you know, by the written word.
4: Yeah.
10: All right. You would lose well, your really honest quick. reaction.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
9: <laughs> so
1: well, really quick, we've only got about uh seven minutes left of the show, which has gone by really, really fast. Yeah. But I did want to get a couple of uh points in. First of all, um Ryan, you had an article just come up, uh I believe it was on Medium, was it not?
11: That's right. Uh, yeah, um, so I just published Yeah, yeah, thank you so much um, So I just published an article on Medium um, In the Better Humans publication um, And it is How to help someone Who's experiencing a panic attack um, So You know, this is Disconnected a little bit from the podcast But I, I try to find through roads With all of the um, the work that I do So, you know, a lot of times Especially in movies and um, TV shows, you, they might show someone having a panic attack as this really intense, um, scary thing that, that is like very obvious. And the reality with panic attacks is that sometimes it can be quiet. Somebody can be very reserved, but internally really struggling. So I want to be able to educate mm-hmm. people um, both on what a panic attack can look like, what a panic attack could feel like for persons, for people who haven't experienced them, and then honestly for what anyone can do for someone who might be experiencing a panic attack um, how you can talk to them how you should not talk to them I think there are a lot of natural instincts that people have about how to support someone in that um, in that sort of experience that actually is counterproductive you know saying things like just calm down or relax or right. um, mm-hmm. just go get some fresh air you know those are not necessarily things that would be helpful so please feel free to check out the article on Medium um, you can look it up uh, through me, uh, Ryan Engelstad, or through the Better Humans publication.
1: I always like to say, never in the history of calming down has anyone calmed down by being told to calm down.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: <Right>. Absolutely not.
0: <laughs> yeah.
11: Yeah, and there's a lot of other ones similar to that. That like, because the reality yeah. is, is that the the person witnessing the panic attack, they want you to be okay. You know, they they need right. you to be okay yeah. so they can feel okay. So they're going to do whatever mm-hmm. they think is going to help that happen as fast as possible, but that always almost yeah. always ends up being a bad thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
9: There's there's a meme we have on our computer that's a similar concept, you know.
1: Yeah, it it's I I think that particular quote I got from uh Bill Corbett from Rift Track, so thank you sir for that.
9: <laughs>
0: but
1: um yeah, that's Something that I I just find hilarious and poignant at the same time. So,
4: mm-hmm.
1: so we've we've got to um, get moving here and ask yeah. ask as many cram as many questions into this last few minutes as we possibly can. Yeah. <laughs> so
9: really, 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 really quick. Uh, talk with us about your Facebook discussion group, please. Uh, the
10: yeah, sir. So mental I'll, health.
9: I'll, go ahead, Mike. Oh, go go right.
10: Oh, okay, so <laughs> mental health, uh, it's called Pop Psych 101 Mental Health Chat, and it's, you know, attached to our actual page, but it's the group, and what mm-hmm. it is is a mental health support and discussion group uh, for fans of the show or not fans of the show. It is not required to listen to the show to join it. It's a closed group where you can come and say whatever it is that you're feeling or, or needing. Um, everyone is super supportive. Of it or in it, they're very supportive. Um, we do a lot of joking, but the group is probably the best thing about like what we do because the people in there are really just awesome. It's very cool. Yeah, yeah
9: so it's
11: very cool. We hadn't intended on creating that, but I, I agree with Mike. It's, it's one of the best things that's come about as a result of all what we're doing. So we're very proud and, and grateful for the people in the group.
1: Cool. So what comes next for you guys? What do you hope to accomplish?
11: Other than that generic, like, growth uh, answer, you know, we want to um, get our message out to as many people as possible. Um, I think mm-hmm. we are planning on um, having more guests. You know, recently we did an episode where we had our wives actually come on and talk about um, postpartum depression. Not that they, either of them, have necessarily experienced it, but just to offer other perspectives than uh, two uh, married straight white guys um so hope <laughs> we want to pr- provide uh an opportunity to people with other voices and other experiences to also share their perspectives on these issues that we're talking about so we're hoping to do more of that for sure yep cool That's
10: we were on exciting. satellite radio we were on satellite radio but uh the insurance company uh which is like a, a saint joseph that was paying for our station uh just canceled us so we're off now <laughs>
9: Oh, that sucks.
10: Oh, no, that's a bummer.
9: Well, hopefully, we can find a another avenue back on there soon, because um, that that's some great exposure right there.
0: Yeah.
9: You know, very exciting. Um, and yeah. once again for everybody, because uh, because you guys were so kind enough to make it so convenient to find you on social media. Everything is at Pop Psych One Hundred and One. Yep, that's right, P-O-P-E-S-Y-C-H,
11: cool. and then the digits 101, everywhere you can find us.
9: That's cool. And and nice and compact.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
9: It's bite-sized, if you
1: will. <laughs> <laughs> Makes it simple. Yeah. All right, so guys. We are really, really grateful to you guys for for coming on today um, and for putting up with, with us. We were... Um, a little bit loopier than usual this morning after the week we had. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks uh, for I totally understand. Up with
11: us. Thank you guys for having us
9: on. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, it our pleasure. Yeah, if anything uh, big comes comes up in the world of Pops like 101, we would love to have you guys back on because it was a blast talking to you.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, it
9: was a lot we of fun. To, yeah. And, you know, um, stay on the line. We're going to finish out the show with Casey Lansdale and Living in the Moment. Have a great week, week, everybody. Thanks for tuning in.